0: Welcome to episode 536 of I and Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Welcome along to episode 536 of I Am Talk with coach John Newsome and Bevan James Oz. How you going mate? I'm pretty good Bevan and uh, yeah we've had a little bit of a rocky start to today's show. Oh my, my intro, I'm not sure if I got my intro right, it took me like a minute to get it right. So today's a little bit different team because we are kind of still in Kona actually in the lounge. Which lounge are we in John? We're in the United Lounge and we have gone carb crazy. Well, John newson has gone carb crazy. I had, I went pretty conservative. How, many, how, much, how much cream cheese did you put on your bagel? I, I had to balance out the carb with the fat. Oh okay, nice, nice work there. So um, basically today's show is going to be a little bit different but before we do let's do the sponsors
1: endurance sports travel uh proudly proudly helping us out with our
0: kona coverage they've been absolutely fantastic tim if you are looking to head overseas make sure you check them out who else we got there john
1: we've got oxygen addict we're going to have an interview coming up with uh rob wilby telling us about some uh off-season training tips and also our traditional sponsors com, and your social networking for endurance athletes and extreme endurance. Your lactic
0: buffer team and also just the patrons of the show who got us over to Kona. So just thank you to all the patrons, you know who you are. And we'll start naming some of those people next week as well. So today's show is a little bit different. We aren't back in the studios, we thought to give ourselves a week off. But we've also got plenty of content from what we did in Kona. So the first thing that's
1: going to be happening in the show is we're going to put an interview up. Yeah we've got Chris Hout, a lot of you guys will probably know him as Chris Houth because um, most of us look at his name but he's a coach, uh, former age group winner in Kona, one Ironman Coeur d'Alene I think it was, mm. um, former Olympic swimmer and he's got a coaching business so you know really nice, you know we discussed a whole variety of things so it was a good interview.
0: Yeah was a really good interview wasn't he, cool guy uh, and then basically what's going to happen after that is... This year in the Kona coverage, on the race day coverage, we just did the pro athletes and so then today what's going to happen is just basically kind of what happens on the day of Kona. So what happens on the day of Kona, the experience, John and I, we didn't really talk much about the race, it was more what was happening throughout the day as we were there and we've also got a few age group interviews from post-race that both John and I did and then at the end of the show we're just going to chuck on a couple of little of the epic camp interviews that we managed to get over the last couple of weeks as well. So basically that's going to be the gist of today's show. But before we get into that we just thought we'd talk a little bit about the race john and let's have a talk
1: yeah so i really wanted to you know have a look at the top 10 because um we always you know really highlight the winners daniela reef and jan for an amazing experience uh, amazing races that they have but if we run through the top 10 in 10th place we had carrie lester 928 9th place lucy gossage from gbr and she was pretty thrilled with that eighth was asa lundstrom from sweden in 922 close finish with um sarah Piano uh, and also in 9.22 so she was 20 seconds up the road Michelle Vesterby who we talked to after the race and she stole Bevan's um, Coke Zero I was gutted (laughs) in 9.19 sixth place Kaisa Laitonen Le- from Finland was fifth and we heard from her in the post-race interviews. She was the girl who rode, 100, uh, rode 180 k's when she was 12 years old. Anja Berenik put up a really brave fight on the bike to be sticking with Daniela Reef for you know, a good big chunk of the race and looked uh, sensational. So she was fourth. And then the podium was Heather Jackson in third, uh, only only a minute behind Rennie, which was impressive. Um, Marinda Carfrey in second place. <clears throat> And Daniela Reef in first, so Daniela Reef's times were 52 minutes swim, 4.52 on the bike and a 2.56 marathon which I think is the fastest marathon of the day, certainly the fastest bike of the day and uh, she was right up there after the swim, course record 8.46.46, Marinda Carfrey was 9.10.30 which is a dojo domination and uh, Heather Jackson was a minute back in 9.11 so that is, that is massive isn't it, 24 minutes. In the world championship race, that's crazy, mm, sensational, uh, absolutely amazing.
0: Well, what's really cool about it, if we think back to when Crowy took the male record, Crowy had the complete triathlon performance. Mm. You know, he had an amazing swim, he biked better than he'd ever biked before, and he could always run. And when we look at Reese's performance here, it's the complete triathlete performance,
1: isn't it? It is. It's got to be, you got to wonder how people like her are going to back this up. You know, you've had, she said it was a perfect race. So whenever you come back after that, so you still keep striving for even better, but it's kind of hard once you've had that perfect race.
0: Yeah, but the other thing to, to, to consider is that Rennie didn't have a great day. You know what I mean? Like, she was never under pressure, and, like, 24 minutes is massive, but Renny, she only beat Rennie's record by a couple of minutes. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know exactly how much, but it wasn't a huge amount that she beat the record by. So if Rennie can turn up and have a perfect day as well, then we've got a race on.
1: Uh, I don't know, I think um, I think the day that Rennie set the record from memory was a very, very good day and by all accounts that was a reasonably tough day out there, you know, the guy the guys' times are not particularly quick, so... Do you reckon, because no, I reckon if Fro- Frodino was on top today, well, on that day, he could have written the record. Hmm... <laughs> But I, I don't think it was a particularly fast day across the board, anyway. So I don't think that um, Miranda Carfrey yeah, if you, to, yes, she could, she can. We know she can run eight minutes quicker because she's done it. Um, maybe another five minutes quicker on the bike, but she's still. I don't I think she's still in the same. Uh, I
0: wanted to be that because it was interesting at the press conference. It was kind of like there's this is a moment where everyone's just happy to be there. Mm. You know, other than Rennie, who still seems to be chasing the win, but you know, this race shows a big gap. Um, it's almost like that no one's like no one wants to or
1: not that they don't want to but they're almost just like i'm happy to be third mm. but I also feels a bit of a changing of the guard in the in the girls race because you know often pre-race we're talking about Joycey, we're talking about caroline stefan jody swallow jody swallow hasn't raced well here um joyce's got a got a baby caroline stefan's going a different direction so a lot of these names that we're talking about in the top 10 are still pretty new to mm. So. Um, yeah, I think it could be another, you know, another few years before we see anybody knock Danielle Reef off, uh, as long as that motivation stays up there, she's uh, on fire. Well, I just hope we find a challenger. Yeah. You know, now, now
0: okay, so, you know, you to John some ITU girls are coming, yeah. are we going to see any ITU girls come over next year? You know, we've talked about the go Means and that with the boys, but can you see any of the girls who, post-Olympics, maybe think actually could come over and actually could be a threat to someone like Reef?
1: Not that I can think of. You know, the girl that springs to mind would be Flora Duffy, but she's on the top of her game at ITU distance, so I can't see her coming across because she's an axe on the bike. Uh, You kind of sprung that on me? No, I don't. On the guys' side, definitely. On the girls' side, yeah, I can't think of anybody that immediately that's that's really strong on the bike that would come across and be considered to be straight into it. On the guys, we've got Brownlee and Gomez, and uh, both of them could be immediate weapons on oh, the Ironman. I hope they come over. I really do. OK, some other kind of girl athletes you want to talk about? I just saw sort of bring up Natasha Badman because we didn't go to the awards ceremony, but apparently Daniela Reef did a fantastic speech uh, and really acknowledged how much influence Natasha Badman had on her career. They're obviously both from Switzerland. So Natasha Badman did get a wildcard slot for the race to, to finish her Kona career her, at least her age group career who knows she pro. might be back pro career uh, and how old is she, she 50 <laughs> uh, doesn't actually say on here but I think she, she's close yeah, to yeah. so she was she finished in uh, 10 hours 20 minutes she swam 105 which I actually think is quite good for her um, rode 522 and ran 344 so pretty pretty nice balanced race a long way off where she's been in the past but uh, yeah the there's the end of an absolute legend who's won this race many, many times. Six times, wasn't it? She won it, so yeah, absolutely legend, yep. So let's have a look at the boys' race. So the
0: boys' race was uh, an interesting race. Uh, if anything, I wish that the fight had lasted a little bit longer. You know, it was pretty cool that, it, that we got up to Polini of nearly halfway through the run, but it would have been cool if it went to the Energy Lab or just a little bit longer in the fight, but still, Jan Frodeno, legend.
1: Yeah, I was somewhat surprised that Keenelay actually lasted that long. So I was watching uh, at the top of Polanyi, and by the time they got there, the gap was, you know, 50 odd metres, oh, probably not 50 metres, but, but close to that. And, I, you know, I think what I said before this race is if Jan Fredino is 95% or thereabouts, he's still going to win it. He's that much better than everybody else. And that sounded like he was, you know, was not firing on all cylinders all day long, yet he still won it in not that far off course record time. So you just. I, sub eight is definitely possible when he's feeling good and when you have slightly better conditions.
0: In so competition, mm. you know, like you know,
1: like next year, if, if like a
0: Gomez does turn up, and mm. now we're putting a lot of pressure on Gomez to actually be able to perform in this race, and, and it's been proven lots of people can't. But if he can turn up and those two go head to head,
1: well, sub eight's really on the cards if the weather's right. Absolutely, so if we look at the top 10, um, we've got a lot of regular names in there and uh, and a few newcomers, so Frederick Van Lierd who I picked for, for third place, uh, swam 48, rode 435, ran 253 for an 8.21, one of the highlights for me in this top 10 and, and unfortunately we don't really get to see this at this, the finish is how close a couple of these finishes were so Van Lierd was in 10th and Ivan Rana was 9th, only 8 seconds in front of him. Wow. Because we're behind the finish line and we can't can't hear what's going on and and the athletes kind of come through and drips and drabs and we're not quite sure, you know, what the gaps were. So I saw, Ivan Runner I think was the first. He came out for us. Yeah, the first athlete we saw and he was in ninth place uh, and we didn't see, I don't know, you, you saw Frederick Van Leer. Yeah, yeah, to get Freddie.
0: Freddie was really annoyed with um, the drafting penalty he got because he just said that. Sure he was drafting as they well going uphill, but everyone was, and it just seemed a bit unfair to pick on one person at that moment. Mm.
1: Uh, and so yeah, Ivan ran at uh, ninth place, but Arnotz came through with a really good run with a 2.48 to run himself into 8th place. Uh, Boris Stein, who I actually picked for 33rd place, he uh, certainly didn't finish 33rd, he finished in 7th place in 8.16, only 36 seconds behind Tim O'Donnell who was in 6th place. And uh, at the top of Palani, Tim O'Donnell, I gave him a split, he was one. 125 off third so he he dropped back a bit but still Good, good solid day at the office and then another really close finish was between 4th and 5th so in 5th you had Andy Boucher from Germany in 8.13.25 and then only 25 seconds back was uh, was ben, in front was Ben Hoffman 8.13 flat and those guys were like that for ages as you may have heard in some of the interviews and, and I really thought that Andy was going to catch him up I thought he looked like he was running better and uh, I saw them with about 3 miles to go and thought he had it but uh, no Ben Hoffman put up a great fight in 4th place he was shagged man when he came across the line he was a never never land yeah uh and patrick lang this was one of the highlights of the day for me the oh, dude yeah. the dude got a drafting penalty um or uh, well, a blocking penalty actually not a drafting penalty so finish
0: is, is there a difference in the penalty is it still five minutes
1: yeah i think it's still five minutes yeah yeah same penalty uh so he ran a two thirty nine forty five 45 new run course record and only was uh just over a minute behind sebastian keenley who was second Keenlay to his credit you know ran a 2.49 which yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's his fastest time over there it's it's a solid run split uh, for 8.10.06 and he was about uh, three and a half minutes behind Jan Fredino, whose splits were 48.02 swim 4.29 on the bike and a 2.45 run for 8.06.30 and just uh, yeah just kind of had it in control.
0: So just any other observations about the race Sean?
1: Um, well I put down a couple of highlights for myself, uh, where were they, down here somewhere, um, I, I mentioned this to Bevan last night, the highlight that I had was, uh, I went down at the finish line, you would have heard a few of the interviews that I did, and, uh, and the Sheik Sleek, the, the, I can't remember his nickname we gave him, it was the Sleek Sheik or something like that, and I think it's Richard I think, um, and I was walking back to, towards the car and, and he uh he said, "Hey, John. John, you know, I just want to say thanks for everything you've done, and was uh, in terms of uh, the show, and said, uh, you know." I wouldn't have got here without you, and, and that was sort of the, the feedback we got through, during the week was from listeners has just been so awesome. So that was probably a highlight for me. Is you know we we enjoy doing the show, and um, but it's just really nice when people acknowledge that it has actually made a difference in their uh, careers. Yeah, it really does. Though. We you know people will let us know that we're a part of your triathlon experience, and so that's that's really kind of
0: we treasure it, don't we, John? Mm. We it. What else did you enjoy?
1: Um, yeah, there's a few highlights for me. The crowds this year I thought were significantly bigger. Both on Palani there was a really good atmosphere. I thought what Training Peaks did with they gave these little bells out and so you they really heard yeah, your
0: cover you on they heard you
1: <laughs> that was awesome um down the finish when I went down at the finish time it seemed to have more atmosphere than than when I went I've been down there at the past at the same time so I think they did a great job there just seen more people on Elite Drive you know we were down by Lava Java and often we kind of just not by ourselves there's a few people around but just there was more buzz and uh the highlights to me from the pros racing was the run performances of uh, Patrick Lang and and, uh, just, and just quite a few of the guys really stepping up. You know We saw quite a few sub 250s, so it was really nice to see. Do you think we're seeing a shift in the way the race is being raced? Because in the
0: last 10 years we've seen very much swim, the swim happens, the Uber cycles try to break away, two or three, maybe you know it, Max will get away and then it's you know the cat and mouse game to the run, and some days the, the cyclists will do really well, but generally speaking, the runners are gonna get there. Whereas this year, the cyclists didn't try to break away. And it was interesting when I asked Keenly in the race, I said, well, why didn't you break away? And he said, well, I've learned. Yeah. Um, and, and in some ways, but it's, it seems to be that the strategy of the race, and maybe it's because power numbers are so good, I'm not quite sure, but it seems to be that no one was willing to take the risks on the cycling front that maybe in the past people would have done. Or is it just that we have so many strong cyclists now, it's harder to do?
1: Yeah, I think it's a case of the everybody lifting their game, but on the bike, you know, Keenlay now seems like a very, very smart racer, but he, he backs his run, where in the past maybe he didn't back his run quite as much. So whilst I think... Um we didn't see any cyclists get away. You did see those that weren't strong enough get shelled out big time going up to Harvey's. So I think it is still really, you know, need to be a, a real axe on the bike. But yeah, you know, and we talked to Keenley about that. He's, he's kind of strategic, measures his efforts, and yeah am I d I'm I'm somewhat surprised that he hasn't broken away. And uh, we didn't have a Starkowitz there this year as well. But you know, guys like Michael Vice, he's an axe on the bike and he couldn't come through. Guys like Lionel Sanders and Joe Skipper who are, you know. Beasts elsewhere um, weren't able to quite ride up to the front groups, so um, yeah,
0: mm. it's, just, it's just interesting to see how the race dynamic is shifting. You know, like it is shifting. Uh, you know, there was a period of time where it was all about the run, then it became a bit more about the cyclists, and it's yeah, it's just
1: we see a little bit of a shift again. I'd just love to see. A battle on the run, you know, yeah. f- three or four guys running shoulder to shoulder to the to the as far as the energy they have and coming out, and uh, it, it could happen. You know, if we if we get um, a Gomez and those guys here, there's no, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, tactically run it. So it's good. Well, remember a few years ago we had the female race where the, that happened. You know, where there was like four or five girls going up, um, going up towards the energy lab and it was so exciting it was such great racing mm. we had, did have a few low lights you know bevan and i you would have heard on maybe here on today's coverage um nitpicking a little bit you know when we were sitting on the pier there wasn't as much atmosphere as normal they didn't seem to have as much music there we we're down on hot corner and we were sort of around the corner a bit and they didn't seem to have the the high mm. towers and, and the music there there was still music but it wasn't pumping it wasn't in yeah, en- it was there weren't the whoever was running that section didn't create energy. It wasn't there was no real hype around it, was it? Mm. And then the other uh, pain in the ass for me was you know we normally go bike all the way out to the Energy Lab, which is uh, you know you're quite a long way into the run, and now they have sort of closed it off so you can only go a few Ks out of town, which is I don't know seems a bit disappointing, especially from the media point of view. You know it's, we get some really good insight into the race um, getting all the way out to the energy lab so that was a bit of a shame Um, and then you know age group drafting was pretty uh pretty horrific it's um yeah doesn't doesn't motivate me to go back when i kind of see see the packs that came back you know on the way out you expect it it's big it's really clumped together and it's it's very very difficult there's limited space but it was really disappointing for me to be standing you know a few miles down um, elite drive and just seeing some of the people coming past Blatantly, blatantly drafting when there was space not to be drafting. So that was uh, pretty frustrating for me. Just, a, and, and so I've
0: kind of been thinking about this kind of, and we talked about this a little bit on the show, this is kind of the media of triathlon didn't seem to be as present. And and in some ways, I think this is a concern mainly more for pros than maybe for WTC because WTC are going to sell at races anyway and, and the expansion kind of plan seem to be working pretty well. But the one thing I noticed was that a lot of the old hags of, of triathlon media aren't around. You know, like in the old days, I think this is our fourth time back, you know, every two years we'd come along and it was the same faces in the media. And, and this year, what was really interesting was that the media conferences, there were no good questions. There, well, there weren't questions. And when they opened the floor up to questions, it was there was just nothing. I think in the pre-race meeting, they had one real question and one was just a random joke. And then post-race, and the guys, I don't think there was maybe one, and the girls, there were maybe three. And, um... I think that, and I'm not sure if because magazines are dying or I'm not quite sure why, but we've just lost a lot of the the wise head of the sports and the media. And so some of the really hard questions that should be asked weren't being asked. And I wonder what the implication of that is in regards to what that means for pros and, and things moving forward? Because it was really obvious that the media wasn't there so much this year, eh?
1: Yeah, but on to counter that, I would say I've been so impressed with the top five this year in terms of how well they speak, and they, they speak eloquently and give quite thoughtful answers not just stock standard bullshit mm-hmm. and so you know you're getting so much information from them maybe that's part of the reason why we're not seeing as many questions also it's a changing state of media you know there's a lot more people like us just doing random podcasting and yeah and but I just wonder like what we're lo- like what we're losing is
0: you know of cool, course cool, good, good speakers but we are losing some of the people who have a lot of insight that can bring a lot more value to the triathlon community. I don't know, it was just really interesting. The other thing that I thought was really interesting this year was WTC were really good at promoting how good they are with women and how quickly their fifty fifth um, Kona has really seemed to have faded away because it wasn't really mentioned at all. Uh, and, and in some ways WTC were almost rubbing it in the face a little bit talking about how great they're doing. With, like in the media conference, which we didn't actually put up in the, the pre-race media conference, Andrew Messick did this big burp about how well we're doing with females and stuff like that. And um, I don't know, it just they've
1: done a great job of squashing that topic mm-hmm. and yes yeah, so you will have heard in one of these interviews today I think they are doing some some things that are kind of cool this Irish girl that I talked to you're going to hear from her who was the first female commentator out there I don't we, I didn't really watch much of the live coverage whether they had many females presenting on that or not sometimes they get in Michaela Jones and people like that I we, yeah we were out on the road so they may or may not have done um this time last year the 50th for Kona was the
0: topic over the last two years and it's wasn't even mentioned now is it like it's almost like
1: an afterthought now Mm. Um, you'll hear me rant later on in in the show but a thing that's really pissing me off and I've is they can't even acknowledge challenge? You know, we're at the the post-race media conference, and, and uh, Greg Welsh is up there saying, "Yeah, Fredina, you've had a really busy year. You did uh, Ironman Lanzarote, and you did whatever other Worlds. race world. was Worlds seven point three? Yeah, and you didn't do that, and but they didn't even mention Challenge Challenge wrote And and I know they're not they're not going to promote it. I understand business, but the fact that they didn't even say you know, you did a, an Iron Distance race in July." It's just so petty. I just, it it was intentionally petty. It was pathetic. Grow up. But the other thing I was curious about, because when Frodo
0: did talk about Challenge Road, he would always say, the race I'm not allowed to name. So I'm curious to see, is that actually, is that a fact? Is he not allowed to name it? Because mm. in the previous years, they have acknowledged challenge races, but this year, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see if in, in some kind of contract they sign are they're not even allowed to acknowledge that challenges around. The other thing I found interesting is it's almost like Chris McCormick's being faded out of the world. It's almost like they want to have, like obviously he's part of the competition and you know there's some baggage around McCormick and so it's 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 almost like they're just trying to get rid of him in some ways, in some aspects. It'll be interesting to see uh, and that makes sense as well because of her other
1: relationships, but, yeah, just interesting times. One other thing I'll say is I was in, uh, we had a bit of a shop yesterday, went to Alamoana and in, uh, in Waikiki. Victoria's
0: Secret for John. You
1: have to, I did buy myself something from Victoria's Secret, <laughs> if you kind of get that. Uh, and... I was in Gap and I was queuing up and the, the, the shop attendant said to me, oh, you know, you're on holiday, what are you up to? And I said, oh, I've just been to the big island sort of watching the media, uh, watching Iron Man." And they said, oh, were you racing? I said, no, no, I was just doing media work. And there was a couple next to me and they said, oh, we were over there as well. And he was, he was doing some media work. And th- this dude was actually a um, cameraman for NBC and he was... Um, and I said, oh, I was sort of chatting away to him, and said, "Oh, you know, while, while you're here, while I've got you here, <laughs> why do you guys just focus on the the, the leaders? And uh, and can you not just do some other shots?" And he was saying, "You know, for the American market, they just want to see the the, the leader, and that uh, they actually have six cameras out there on the the course, and it's not just the the two that we're sort of here. There's only two cameras out. There's six cameras. They do have access to all of that." Um, during the race however for the live coverage um apparently we need to be boarding uh apparently for the live coverage you know the helicopter needs to be directly above that particular camera so if um you know for daniela reef <laughs> this is so far behind that helicopter is going to have to go back quite away so there is a few more logistics if we want to get better coverage and probably needs to be more helicopters over there so i'd imagine to get more than one um you know one feed, decent feed going it's going to be uh, a lot more expensive okay we're
0: going to we're going to go off now and actually get the rest of the show on so we've got chris health coming on right now and then we've got all the kona coverage after that and john i will be quickly back at the end of the show okay john Boo. we've got we've got a bit of a legend here because yeah. he's about filled every number in the top 10 years from us before he started so okay. he's a bit like the sesame street of athletes you know One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, no uh, Not yeah. working. Oh, well. yeah. <laughs> here we go. So
1: Chris Howard, who used to be a Olympic swimmer, I want to find out a bit more about that. He's also a coach, and he's also been over here in Kona, and last year won his age group, uh, so as well as winning ov- overall Ironman's earlier in his career. So welcome mm-hmm. along to the show. Thank you,
0: thank so, you, so thanks you, for having me. Last year was the first time you actually won your age group. <laughs>
2: yes, after many, many attempts. And, oh, my, and my bad
0: joke at the start was because you basically pretty much filled every number up till first until last year
2: yeah besides fifth really <laughs> so we've had a, had them all yeah.
0: and so what was it like if you come back so many times i've been mean, so close so many times
2: um a motivator for sure yeah. um but also knowing that if the strategy comes together i'll be fine it's just when something derails you on race day that's when quickly the places start shuffling up
0: and it's the problem with our sport, isn't it? Because you only really get that one day a year to test yourself. So mm-hmm. if you get it wrong, mm-hmm. even just a little bit, you've got to wait a whole year to get another chance, yep. don't you? Yep,
2: that's the worst part of the sport in many respects because so many people focus so much of their efforts on one day yeah. that oftentimes their nerves and their mental game derails them. Their fitness is there to have a great performance. But unfortunately, the, the nerves of the day and just overthinking something quickly uh. ends it.
1: So, um, it must be fr- no. Is it frustrating for you out there, knowing that you're probably almost, almost always going to be either first out of the swim or very, very close to first out of the swim? Um, do you get smoked, or swamped on the bike, and then hold it together on the run, or how does the, the race sort of pan out for you and Kona, knowing there's the, all those bloody Uber bikers coming up from behind?
2: Well, the great thing about being a swimmer swimmer in the sport of triathlon, especially in Ironman, is you have the inv- advantage all day. You know exactly your placing all day long. Oh, true. Yeah. So even on the bike, when the Uber bikers come and get me, mm. first of all, I know they're using a fair amount of energy to come and get me. And second of all, you can sort of count the bodies going by and you look at the body types. Mm. So you know right away who's a runner in there too. And knowing that I run pretty well off the bike, I can sort of strategically map out how the rest of the day will go. Mm -hmm. So in Kona, they catch me a lot sooner than other Ironmans. Mm -hmm. But even there, knowing what I need to do, prepares you on the bike, fueling, hydrating, and as well as just sort of where I want to be at what point, six, seven people to catch, three, four people to catch. And over the years, you also know the people who catch you. We're, we're, we always stay in the same age group, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it becomes, a, it becomes a strategy. It becomes a game of where I'm at and how I'm going to go about this today, how hard I have to run, and so on. So it, I feel it is an advantage.
0: So, so for those listening, maybe just give us a little bit of a history on your swimming background.
2: Yeah, I um, I was a swimmer for Germany, um, 1992 and 96, and um, after that I switched over to triathlon. At, at the Olympics, yes, yeah, okay. Barcelona. Okay. And, and what Lina. was your event? It was 200 butterfly, 400 individual. <gasps> yeah. Oh, Dan- Daniel
1: Loda was was at Barcelona. He was uh, third. Do you know Daniel Loda, no, the New Zealand no. guy? No. We we you guys have millions of swimmers. We have we got hey. one guy. One. You should yeah. know him. <laughs> we yeah. got, and he's the only Kiwi that's ever got a medal no dan uh, anthony moss, got anthony moss. Yeah. yeah no so, so sorry i was interrupting you. 200 fly
2: yeah 200 fly and then in 96 i was an alternate so i, I didn't get to swim but i was there what was it like, like? actually it was interesting because you got to experience the event um you got to warm up and experience the entire olympics but in case somebody gets sick or it's, say somebody can't take a spot on the relay and so on you're an alternate for that so
0: it's kind of was it frustrating because you've got to be peak
2: um, yes, and you don't want to wish anybody no, any sickness. No. But at the <laughs> but, same time, you're kind of hoping that
0: opportunity comes.
2: You're like, that's how many swimmers there are. Mm, I can do the numbers here, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So, when you're, when you're swimming in a triathlon, a long distance like Ironman Race, mm-hmm. how much of an effort are you putting in? Because obviously, you're of an ability where you, maybe you can still quite dominate without too much effort. So, do you conserve or do you actually push pretty hard?
2: I conserve. I actually learned early on in this sport, and I like the Ironman distance early on. Um, the threshold aspect of Olympic distance and a half Ironman was always intimidating to me. And also from my swimming days, 400 IM, I'd rather pace it through the 400 IM versus um, doing something shorter. So my swimming effort over the years actually has gotten easier and easier just because my body type has changed. I've gotten to be more of an endurance athlete. And secondly, I know from a strategy standpoint that I'm looking to get on the bike having used less energy than anybody else in the field, truly using my advantage to my advantage. If I swim hard and I'm equally as tired as everybody else starting the bike, my advantage is gone. Mm. That's what I say to a lot of Uber bikers that I work with, whether it's been pros or elite uh, age groupers. I say, we have 140.6 miles. Let's not give up our advantage by T2. Get through your bike, your strongest event, efficiently, but yet, a tick faster than everybody else so that you get off fresher to run further into your event that you might not be as strong at mm. versus laying it all out there on the bike and having a great um, advantage, but then knowing that your weakest event or less strong event, I should call it, is still ahead of you.
0: Do you find that most athletes who have that strength struggle with that? But Because, you know, we've seen it many times here, the, the Uber biker, you know, up to 12 minutes off the bike in mm-hmm. front. And I've used their their strength, but to their weakness to the point where they end up kind of blowing up. So, you know, it's hard not to play your game. It's a very
2: hard um, discipline to have in order to give up a bit of what you're strongest at. Mm. But like I have said to them all, until you do the bookends right, swim and the run, to your advantage, to your ability, let's say that's a 253 and let's say a 53 swim, right? So solid, solid bookends. We can always go faster on the bike at the next one. Mm. But let's find out what you're capable of on the run first and then gradually increase the bike effort to what you think you still can do, whether that's a 430, whether that's a 435. But if we can maintain a 253, 255, 248 on the back end, fantastic. Mm. But let's find out. If we don't find out, we're going to spend many years in triathlon and always wonder and yeah. always chase that. What could I do on the marathon? Let's go easy on a bike for once, run our brains out on the, um, on the marathon, and then have a number we can use as our gauge.
1: Mm. Ooh, I think about it. So but when you finished your swimming career, um, it, you, got, you got into finance from what I can see. I mean, what, where did, where did your, your athletic career sort of go after swimming? You know, your, your time was done on swimming.
2: Well, I—I um, <laughs> was just asked this story the other day. Um, I did some Olympic distance triathlons uh, while I was still sort of finishing up my swimming, cross training, and so on. And early on, I did in the mid '90s a couple of Olympic distance triathlons where I was not first out of the water, and I was still oh, swimming really? then. Wow. And I was very surprised.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs>
2: I, uh, well, not upset, but confused. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? And uh, this is a fifteen hundred meter swim. I yeah. should be able to do this. But I looked around at the finish line and saw that it's a bunch of former swimmers. People like Dave Burkoff, a gold medal winner in the backstroke, Lars Jorgensen in those days. Um, a lot of former swimmers were moving into this triathlon sport, which was pretty new at that point still. And I was speaking to those guys and I knew a few of them and I said, ah, this is where elephants go to die, right? <laughs> we, uh, we moved to triathlon and I was hooked. I loved it I loved the sport early on and so that transition happened um, to triathlon and then finance was great in the years that I did it but as it sort of migrated that my triathlon um, interests had grown my finance interests had changed more from a lifestyle standpoint as well as I was a currency trader mm-hmm, yeah. so we were working in an in a area of the industry where once the euro happened a lot of things in my world had not collapsed, but the advantages had gone away. Mm -hmm. And so it was a good time to switch. And I already started working with some athletes on the side because they were wondering what I was doing and how I was working. And I started working with them and coaching them and the rest is history.
0: From a business perspective, because finance is such a financially rewarding industry, Mm -hmm. then triathlon coaching isn't so much the case. So so how did you make that transition work?
2: Um, Yeah, I was, uh, First off, I was very lucky in the years that I did do the finance. So I was able to set myself up. Um, And I always had a personal um, mantra mission of saying, if I have to dip into savings, if I am not able to sustain this lifestyle, I'm out. Um, I was fortunate again, um, after a few years of not doing finance in New York, I had moved to California. And it was right when Y2K happened and so they thought the world was going to end on computers on you know December 31st yeah. so early on at Charles Schwab they hired a few guys um, in November who knew how to trade paper tickets literally write it down and still take orders in order to d- yeah. in case in the case computers the the blow up, blab- yeah. on the next day we were able to do that I was one of those contract temporary employees that they hired um, and then I stayed on for another few years so in between there's been different things that sort of have kept me connected Mm. to the finance world
1: Mm. um and so in terms of racing professionally you i know you won ironman quarter lane um Mm -hmm. how long were you actually racing in the the professional ranks for
2: not very long maybe just over two years Mm. um and it was mainly (laughs) because enough of the pros who are good friends and i trained with gave me a good enough of a hard time to say, what are you doing? And I kept saying, I haven't won my age group in Kona. I haven't done anything that spectacular until I'm at that point, I shouldn't be racing pro. And they kept saying, no, no, no. You need to at least play in the pro field. You'll learn a ton. Um, and it's been, it was, it was fantastic because it allowed me to transfer a lot of that knowledge into coaching and understanding it too.
0: So why in two years?
2: I started having kids, <laughs> <getting> <laughs> lost married, yeah. and I, I just couldn't keep up. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was what I would call a B-level pro. Yeah. Um, I was always, always behind the main field. I could clearly project that I would not get there. Mm. Um, quite honestly, it's the same thing that happened to me in swimming. I wasn't that good of a swimmer, but because the timing was right, I would call myself a B-level international swimmer with Germany unifying teams there was a lot of turmoil there so some of the best swimmers in the unified german team were not available and so i sort of snuck in into a period so again it's um in the pro field i just i knew i i I was fortunate i did some great um events where i really enjoyed doing it but i knew i had to
0: so what was the difference you know when you do you know you're still you know you're not like top level but you know you in a really high-end age grouper, but you went into that game for a couple of years. What was the difference?
2: Some say it's harder, some say it's easier. I think it's a mix of the two. On the one hand, your flexibility, back then it was before KPR points and so Mm. on. Um, Your flexibility of choosing races and just going once you have the base fitness is fantastic. So you would build up your fitness six, eight weeks out. You'd say, you'd look at the calendar and go, "Mm, that one. Um, So that was really advantageous because you could pick it when you're healthy and ready. But on the other hand, the racing itself, if you lose contact to the field, you have a hard time working your way through. The talent level is just so deep to move on up, let's Mm -hmm. say if you're 20 minutes back. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that part. On the other hand, there was also times where I thought the pro race was easier from a bike standpoint because all you have to do is stay legal but oftentimes, those wattages and those numbers in the pack that you're seeing 10 meters, 12 meters, 15 meters back, you can actually sustain that because you're being paced. Mm. You're not drafting, you're pacing. Mm. And so it's a very interesting dynamic. But again, I was pacing with the B-level pros, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> not with the, yeah, the fun
2: guys. But uh, it was a fun situation to be in.
0: Did you, so you didn't race Kona as a pro?
2: Um, yes, I did. Uh, <coughs> what year was that? I would say 2008, maybe 2007. So what was it like? You know, because it's it's another level, No, it's totally another level. But again, the fun for me was I'm swimming with the front guys. Ah, And at least (laughs) the first 20, 30 miles, I'm having fun out there. And then it sort of got turned into a railroad, me being the station and all the trains (laughs) passing
0: by. (laughs) Who was the Uber swimmer at that time?
2: Um, Well, uh, Jan Zibberson was still swimming really, really fast. He was going for the record at those times. and there's always some uh, five or six swimmers. I n- remember one year, Maka and I went off course. And he literally, when we were running ac- uh, out at the pier, he turned around and go, Chris, what were you thinking? <laughs> I was following you. It's <laughs> your fault. It's my fault. No, it was pretty funny. But yeah, there's always good swimmers. I never swam anything fantastic where, where it would be. I would stand out. I would right. be in the front of the field with them.
1: So what does, what does life entail uh, these days in terms of um, getting the, is it just coaching, Are, you got camps, Are you mm-hmm. do other things as well?
2: Yeah, mainly coaching. Um, actually, and the interesting part is over the years, my coaching has evolved into sort of a um, mental coaching, a mindset coaching. And so that's been preoccupying my time a lot lately. Um, it's a, and it's quite interesting working with athletes on that level. It's also moved into more ultra endurance sports across the board. I work with 10K swimmers, um, from one of them just swam in Rio. I work with um, sailors who, who sail all night. I've worked with many ultra runners, and then of course a lot of triathletes. But across the board, all kinds of different ultra endurance events. And
0: yeah. And what are, the, what are the, some of the things that are different, and then what are the things that are actually pretty similar across all the board?
2: Well, it's. It's the depth of the how you go about your day mentally and how you don't get derailed from your goals no matter what happens. Um, and whether it's an ultra endurance runner running 100 miles, whether it's um, a triathlete for an Ironman, um, even sailors or swimmers, um, you go into these dark places and you hit those valleys emotionally during mm-hmm. your day. And the ability to detach from that, to stay connected to your goals, to recognize what's going on, and having the ability and the wherewithal to then reconnect at some point, knowing that that's part of the plan, that you will go through those emotional valleys, that you will suffer, that things will go wrong despite all your planning, and then how to reconnect back and that your goals are not out of reach at all. They're still right there. You just have to recognize it and connect back to yourself that has the ability to do it.
1: Mm. And you were saying before we started that you you've actually moved into doing some ultra running yourself. Tell us a bit about that, and, and how you would compare, say the you know the back third of a, an ultra marathon compared to the say the back half of an Ironman.
2: Yeah, I mean the back third of a hundred mile run is pretty gnarly. Um, you know, you're 100K into running, and usually <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're running into the night now. Um, So the things that are happening there, from a fatigue level, it's less um, the mind than it is just your body wanting to stop. It fights you even harder. Um, The other aspect with ultra running I find that is different is the mind can comprehend even less what it has ahead. I think that's one of the dangers in ultra endurance sports where we lose touch with our goals is because our brain can't comprehend 13 more running miles. 30 more running miles this pain on the bike for another 25 miles and then still a marathon so um the aspect of being able to work through that in a 100 mile run becomes a little bit harder because it you're moving so much slower towards Mm, the finish line 15 minute miles 13 minute miles and so it's just the wear and tear um is the part that really separates it from let's say an ironman
0: just just, you know like don't mean to insult but you know we're all getting older um and you know to go into ultra running as you age seems Mm. like an interesting choice because you know the impact exercises is more demanding and to do that long and imagine that kind of training Uh, is something that we have to be pretty aware of so how's your body handled it and what do you do to counter that because that's the nice thing about triathlon is it is a bit more of a balanced workout especially for the aging athlete yeah
2: it's um well but ultra running most of it's on trails so you do get that aspect so it's a little bit lighter on you Um, I've been super fortunate, as I'm looking for wood to knock on here somewhere, I'll take bamboo, (laughs) Um, that I've not been injured or anything significant that has lasted more than a week or two. Um, So I've been lucky with a a body that can handle it. Um, I've also sort of want to say I've been pretty smart in how to recover and knowing Mm -hmm. when to recover and listening to my body. And so it has, in that respect, rewarded me. Um, that I'm still able to do it. But the difference um, from a mindset and from a training standpoint, I'll go out for a six-hour run instead of a six-hour bike. Mm. I mean, the time that you're really out there is not that different. I'll choose my intensity days the same way. I'll, you know, choose my long, slow distance days the same way, just it's one sport. Mm. <laughs> and um, and you'll choose your terrain differently. And it's it's fascinating when you can go put a backpack on, your phone in the back and a few essentials, and then just say, all right, I'm gonna run for the next four hours in that direction, mm. in the woods, and see what's around that turn that I never got a chance to turn at.
0: What do you think, because ultra running really has become the appealing sport recently, isn't it? The last kind of five, you know, since that kind of running long book came out, you know, it seems to have had a big influence and it's just kind of the new thing, isn't it? Why do you think it's so appealing right now? I think it's
2: a, a, a new challenge, a new adventure, curiosity. There's a lot of triathletes that have migrated to the ultra running scene. Um, but it, then again, it is a different sport. Once you reach a certain level, more than just finishing, it has become it's it's quite challenging and quite fast in that way too. Yeah. It's incredible how quickly that sport has grown. And knowing what I know from triathlon, watching that grow and get faster and faster, um, it's now happening in ultra running. You see these marathon guys, you see these college cross country runners moving in and taking the same approach as Olympic distance triathletes. Now just go all out for a half Ironman and just see who blows, yeah, <laughs> and that's <yeah>. that. <laughs> so it's very similar, and that's been a, it's a very natural migration from Ironman when it gets too much, too full, too expensive, that a lot of people are trying a new adventure.
1: Mm-hmm. So if people wanna follow what you do or look into your coaching, you know, give us a plug and if there's anything uh, that you've got coming up that you wanna get out there.
2: Well, I'm, a, I'm known as AIMP Coach, A-I-M-P, Coach, um, aimcoaching.com. So um, that's where most of my info is really at. But um, yeah, more I have up next. I have a few more ultra runs coming up, but I will. i return to the triathlon world. Um, it, it's too interesting. There's too much fun to still be had. I would be curious to really go after the half Ironman distance. Um, so that that has something pending out there but I also have this other voice in my head on the other side that says well if you do know how to ultra run you should be able to do ultra man pretty well too mm, so true. there's a there's a little devil on each shoulder <laughs> mm. so there's a, there's always an adventure ready to happen
0: just as last one last question if you were to if what advice would you give to the age grouper out there right now what, what are some of the, the key things that you think create success
2: well the main thing and I hammer this into all my athletes and Whoever I can talk to, stay healthy. Mm-hmm. In order, if you stay healthy, you can train. And the more you can train, lower and, yeah. uh, intensities and consistency, the stronger you'll get. And I think also what gets overlooked in that is that if you stay healthy and train consistently, you learn more about yous- yourself. You observe things. You know what, how your body is reacting to things after a certain load. And then, therefore, again, you can train smarter healthy, injury-free, and continue to get fitter and fitter. The There is no hack of our sport. Mm. You have to put in the miles. You have to put in the work. And so by staying healthy, you set yourself up for that opportunity.
0: And I suppose the aspect of that is learn what you do that makes you not be healthy as is, is a part of your job. Exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: A couple of random questions we have. Um, wax or Shave.
2: Shave. So I'm a swimmer <laughs> I've been I've been doing the, the shave for a long time <laughs>
1: and uh, if you may have done this actually if you trained specifically for a heart for a marathon you know spent like a good six months or so smashed it. and smashed it just focusing on running what could you bang out
2: my best so far is a 242 which I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I did Boston this year mm-hmm. um, out of fun but that was not a 242 yeah <laughs> but yeah that's about it i don't i don't think the wind picked
0: up picked it time. did
2: a little yeah. bit but it wasn't cold it was beautiful weather it was, it was an easy day compared yeah, yeah, yeah. to what they had last year or, or past year so um no i don't i just don't have the ability to dig like that yeah. i never did and, i'm I'm a wimp when it comes to to, to spread the suffering out over a long period of time i'm good put it
1: into a small window i'm the biggest wimp there is the last random question we have is do you use any facial products moisturizers things like that
2: no no You're so young how do you do do it (laughs) yeah no it's i'm just swimming (laughs) Glory <laughs> which is really bad for your skin. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. you exactly
1: you said you race for germany but you certainly don't have any yeah, Ger- don't german s- twang in there
2: true true dual citizen i was born here in the united states to german parents so i have yeah. both passports so i was one of those lucky ones who gets yeah. to choose i would have never made the u.s team
3: yeah
2: i was so, so did you Did you live in germany i did grow so up a b- oh, good ways b- of uh, of my life in germany i hmm. probably had yeah. 10 years of so my what first what was the difference
0: because the German culture and the American culture are quite different oh, you know German is yeah. quite kind of precise culture yep. and American is yep. kind of out there culture so yep. what was it like
2: th- th- you know to switch in between well I didn't switch too much I came here for college okay. um, and so before that I was mainly in Germany so I was a lot more in the German yeah. culture and the way of life and then when I came here for college, which is a good time yeah. to come here, <laughs> yeah. things switched over pretty nicely. And Contrast. It was, yeah, exactly. And I, am, I fully embraced it, I should yeah. say. And I haven't been back since. Not that I don't miss it, but just the opportunities and life just sort of worked out here. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah.
1: Well, fantastic, guys. So if you want to check out uh, Chris's website, it's uh, aimpcoaching.com. And uh, we look forward to seeing you out there on the sidelines this weekend. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, maybe back in, in another time. Yeah. Awesome,
2: Thank man. you. Nice thanks thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Great. All right,
0: John. So before we put these uh, the race day coverage in, uh, we've got another interview. Uh, with Rob Wilby. John, tell me about it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we've got Rob Wilby coming on talking about some. Um, off-season bike training a lot of you north american athletes uh european athletes your racing is done and dusted you guys that have just done kona you probably have a bit of a break but uh, the off-season is when you can make the most out of uh, your gains in single disciplines so for you guys that are looking to focus on your biking listen in and if you guys want any uh any coaching check these guys out check 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 it out okay here's rob Wilby. Right guys, as we mentioned in the intro, we've got uh, Rob Wilby from Oxygen Addicts on the show today because a lot of you guys are going to get into your off-season training, and sometimes you can bumble your way through with you know just doing your standard swim, bike, run that you do all the way through summer. But we know that one of the most effective things you can be doing is focusing on, you know, single discipline sport, and um, and a lot of people like to focus on their biking over over winter. So if you want to. Increase your bike power in the off season. Listen up. So, welcome along, Rob. Hi, man. How you doing? Good. I've, I've just got to chastise your uh, your Great Britain men because I was I was picking them. I thought they were going to get on the podium in Kona, and they they disappointed. You
5: dominate everywhere else, but it always them this year. Joe Joe oh. did his best, though, didn't he? Joe rode like a maniac to try and make the pack, <laughs> and I, I kind of love that that kind of death or glory kind of uh, attitude. It was yeah, definitely and, and, death, but, but it was our
1: interview post race with him was gold. Yeah, yeah, and, man. Uh, really, Dave, David David McNamee still uh, still had a pretty solid run. I think one of the one of the faster runs. So to maybe next year.
5: It's coming, man. Those boys are going to be on the podium one of these next couple of years. I tell you, absolutely. Hey, so, so Rob, so give us an overview of why you think it's important for Ironman athletes to increase their power during the off season. Well, I think like Bev. Um, like we said in the introduction a lot of people have done the race and they're looking and thinking how am i going to improve my ironman time for next year and we're going to spend the majority of our race on the bike and i think that's the time you know it's the place where you can make up the most time and make the most improvement probably as well in the most efficient way as in the least number of hours spent training is going to result in the biggest improvement on the bike compared to if you spent that same time training in the pool. So I like to look at it like this. If you can increase your functional threshold power over the winter or over the off season, you're going to go faster for the same given effort come next summer. So compared to your mates who either are going to slack off on the training during the winter or do nothing but kind of ride around easy, nothing much is going to change for them in terms of, the standard of their biking by the time next season comes around whereas the guys who spend a couple of eight week blocks focusing on their functional threshold power can make themselves significantly stronger riders in that time and then as it comes around time to start doing longer training as the certainly in the western hemisphere as the days are starting to get longer and the summer's coming around again you can add on that Sort of they add the endurance onto the fact you're already fast and strong and powerful on the bike, and you end up riding one or two or maybe even three kilometres faster an hour for the same given effort.
0: And I imagine also you're stronger off the bike too because you're uh,
5: you know you're more conditioned for your run. Yeah, well, exactly. I think one of the the big things that nobody talks about is if you get yourself really fit and strong on the bike, you've then got the option to not use that fitness on the bike. You can basically ride a bit easier next year and still go faster than you did this year and be in much, much better shape to run off the bike. So, yeah, absolutely. That's That's the big hidden benefit of being stronger on the bike as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so so if you are someone who is looking to do something like, this, like if you're athletes, how many times a week will you get them training in the
5: off season, and what's that kind of typical winter off season session look like? Right. So what we'll have them do on the bike, we'll, we'll split the winter up into two eight week blocks. We'll kind of go November, December. We'll have a week off over Christmas and then go January, February. And that makes two nice eight week blocks there. And they'll be training three times a week on the bike. Two of those times are going to be a really focused hour long turbo session. And another ride is going to be a longer, ideally outdoors. But, you know, that's weather dependent, a, a sort of longer aerobic ride. And within the two indoor rides, what we're going to try and do is within 60 minutes, we'll have a 10 to 15 minute warm up and maybe a few minutes of cool down at the end. But in the middle there, we've got a 30 to 40 minute block where the guys are going to be working hard. And depending on the stage of the training they're at, we're going to be working at between 95 and 105 percent of functional threshold power. We'll start at the lower end. We'll build to the higher end across those two eight week blocks. And, you know, my line here is it's it's simple, but it's not easy. I mean, it isn't rocket science doing this. And I think your listeners could take these sessions away, do them on their own and get a lot stronger and faster. Um, the key to it is it isn't easy doing these. So you've got to be prepared to kind of grit your teeth and dig in. And I think if people are from that background of using trainer road or they're from the background of riding hard on Zwift in the winter, they're used to the idea that they've got to do some hard work on the bike. They can't just sit there and watch Netflix and do nothing.
0: Mm -mm. Well, also the fact that you're doing turbo sessions allows – it takes the weather factor out, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, totally. I mean, you can absolutely do these rides outdoors. We've had a few people talk to us and say, I'm I'm actually living in Florida, so I can go outdoors and the weather's beautiful. And Mm -hmm. you say – more power to you man but i'm a big believer in if you want to you want to use at least one eight week block a year where you are on the trainer twice a week you can control all the variables you don't even have to have your eyes open when you're doing the efforts you know and and it does get a bit difficult towards the end of these 30 minute blocks here so you want to have your your eyes closed your head down the ipod on full blast and really putting the power out without worrying about cars or traffic lights or whatever mm-hmm.
0: so for so, yeah. so, oh, john
5: you go Yep. Um, everybody wants to ride
1: like Lionel Sanders because he pumped out. Uh, I think it was over. I think it was 306 watts normalized power in Kona. It's <laughs> um, crazy, isn't it? Which which I can handle for a short period of time, but certainly not 180 k's. Um, what sort of gain? <laughs> what what sort of gains do you guys
5: um, hope to see over over an eight week block that you might do? well we tracked the guys who joined our test team who joined in february we tracked them over an eight-week block and uh five or six of the guys that we we had who completed all of the training so we figured it was a it was a really good test of what the training plan actually does if they follow it to the letter four of the five of them got a six or seven percent increase in their ftp in an eight-week block so it doesn't sound like a huge amount but if you do two eight-week blocks and you're getting yourself a six or seven percent increase each time that could be you know, for, for the standard guy putting out 250 watts when they start, say that could be in the region of sort of 18 to 20 watts of increase in an eight week in an eight week time period. And we actually had one guy who increased by 15% in an eight week block. But I don't think that's usual. I think that was somebody who was relatively new to turbo training and, and was like, wow, this is a revelation. I'm super fit, you know. Mm. Uh, but I think sort of six to seven percent in a in an eight week block is what we're seeing and, and we're kind of comfortable quoting at the moment.
0: You know, just I've kind of already kind of touched on the weather thing, but any other things that you know want to think about when you're incorporating
5: your outdoor rides into your winter plan? Yeah, well, like I said, ideally we'll have our guys go outdoors and they're going to ride for between two and three hours. In an ideal world, they'd go out and do that every weekend and do a, a really leisurely outdoor ride where they're riding with the mates. And, they're you know, they're taking it pretty steady in the early part of winter, having a chat, maybe stopping for a coffee, maybe hitting that 65% of FTP. So it, it isn't particularly hard in the early part of the winter. And we'll build that intensity as we go all the way through uh, into Iron Man training. It gets to the point where they're doing really sustained rides of five or six hours trying to look at seventy five percent of FTP by the time race time comes around and in the cases of our really stronger athletes. But the key thing here is we recognize that certainly in England, the weather's pretty disgusting during the winter time. And so a lot of the time, you know your coach has given you a three hour ride and you think, There's no way I can go out in that or, you know, the roads are icy and it's actually physically too dangerous to go out and ride. So what I do is I give them a 90 minute indoor turbo session that varies cadence. It varies position. It's in and out of the aero position or standing up and sitting down. And then there'll be a main set in there that's working not as hard as the FTP stuff that we do, but a little bit of harder work to keep them honest. And what we've seen is that that 90 minute indoor ride is actually it's actually really effective at giving you probably 90% of the training stress you'd get from an easy outdoor three-hour ride where you've got some freewheeling and some downhills and stuff like that it's actually pretty good at getting that training stress in there and I I never give people more than a 90-minute ride on the indoor trainer now that's not to say we haven't got some athletes who want to ride for three hours on the indoor trainer occasionally but I try and keep them back from doing that in the early winter because we don't want them burning themselves out too easy. Yeah. Hey guys, just one other thing as well. if
1: you um, if you are in the market for a new train uh, indoor trainer uh, I saw that DC Rainmaker had his latest review on all the, the the new trainers out there. so we often get questions about different sorts of trainers but uh, DC Rainmaker often does a fantastic review of all of them so uh, check those out. So Rob if you, if you guys um, if guys out there want to tap into what you guys are doing give us a plug on, on where they can find out more information.
5: Well, the team is open. We've had the team closed while we concentrate on the athletes during the summer. So we've got our kind of October open window, and that's open through till Monday the 24th. So if people have heard the little uh, pieces we've done over the past few months and liked it, they can just simply go to team.oxygenaddict.com and follow the link to join the team now. The prices at the moment are £65 monthly, uh, which because of – you guys read about Brexit happening over here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good for it, our pound is- Man, the pound has just been hammered. So pretty much everywhere in the world right now, that's a seriously good deal. It's like 79 US dollars or something monthly. Um, And we've got a special offer on at the moment where for an annual membership, you can get nine months for the price of uh, for the so yeah, nine months for 12 months for the price of nine. I get it right there. So it's a saving of £245 or $300 on what you'd pay if you just paid 12 months in a row, essentially. So we've had 29 new members join up in the last week. So we've been we've been really happy and excited by it with people from across Europe as well as in the UK and even some people from the US. So hopefully people like the sound of what they're hearing. And uh, if there's anyone else who would like to join up and, and come and join us for the winter, then we'd love to have them on board. So go There's to
0: teamoxygenaddict.com and I'll put a link to it on the show notes, guys.
5: Forget the dot. It's team.oxygenaddict.com. Team.oxygen. Team dot dot okay, there we go. There you go. It's an awkward little domain name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a link to it in the show notes, guys. So just go to www.imtalk.me and you can find them there. That's great. Thanks very much, mate. Okay, John, so it's now, what, about 6 o'clock in the morning? We're at the Bike Transition Swim Start area and it's the weather's looking pretty good uh, what's the experience for you? Can you remember what it was like for you last time you were here in this in this race and what you're kind of going through the athlete's mind at this time before the race?
1: You're just standing in the queue against to the toilets basically. It <laughs> <because laughs> the doesn't look like they have air enough air portaloos, does it? Yeah, there was we can't walk through the King Cam and there was a big queue in there. Got toilets everywhere, but I was um, I was somewhat surprised to see I know I'm not answering your question, I was quite surprised to see a number of pros in there still wandering around, you know, mm. five to six sort of half an hour before kickoff. Queuing up in the toilets to get in there so, um, but from me, uh, I was actually pretty calm on race morning, maybe I wasn't fired up enough, but uh, it's just an organisational thing, trying not to, it looks like we've walked past a few pretty stressed athletes, Mm. saw Natalie Gaskin there walking through the hotel, she had uh, game face on. I think she was sent to those toilets John, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, as far as today goes, conditions, you can never tell what conditions are like down here but it's looking, not much of a swell out there in the swim, you know a bit of nervous, uh, you know, cut
0: the nervous energy with a bit of a knife around here, but it's quite cool, isn't it? Because when we just think of the energy of the place, do you know, like they actually have no music in this area, which traditionally they do, don't they? Normally, around the bike area, there's that kind of calm kind of some music happening. But now, if you go down to start finish line, you can hear it, but in the bike transition area, there's actually no music at all. All the athletes are just kind of setting up their bikes, doing the last minute
1: checks. It's pretty compacted in here, isn't it? It is, it's very observant of you on the music. I don't need just Picked up on that, yeah. a bit, and the music does quite often cut the cut the nervousness a little bit. You know, it's not that silence, but you're exactly right. All we can hear is uh, pumps coming off tyres, and yeah, the music in the distance. What's the theme song going to be this year? I remember a few years ago it was the uh, uh, tonight's going to be a good night to party sort oh of thing. I'm uh, not really out with pop music right now. My band song should be out next year, I reckon. OK,
0: let's lobby for it. Let's, let's lobby for it. So athletes are doing last minute preps. And this is actually quite an important moment in the day, isn't it? Because there's kind of the mental side, just kind of putting yourself, doing your checks. But also the, one of the worst things that can happen in your race is something goes wrong with your bike. And if you don't spend a few minutes now, just making sure
1: you're ticking all those boxes in your bike preparation, hey. Eh? Exactly. Well, I'm sure we'll hear one bang between here and start time. Well, hopefully we won't. And um, the other thing that I'm noticing is there's an enormous amount of volunteers on the pier no, I think they've they've just gone. Can I volunteer on the pier, knowing they really don't have to do anything, but they get a really good spot to uh, to watch the race? <laughs> <laughs> That's very cynical of you, John Newsom. Because <laughs> I'm looking at them and they look like they're 15. I don't think they really care about the race that much. Yeah, and Bevan, we had to go through bag check this year. Was that? did they have that last summer? That's the first time I've done no, bag no, check. No, well, not not, not when well, we were here two years ago. Mm. Now we, um, we are losing our position on the pier, so we better move over well, a bit. It's third world problems but um, the pier's actually wet, I'm not actually going to be able to sit on it, I'm quite annoyed, we're going to have to stand up. We're, we're,
0: we've positioned ourselves really well too team because we're right on the start line. That's yeah. the start line in front of us yeah. isn't it?
1: We're, we're literally one metre, there's a roker boy sitting in front of us and we can look across to the other part and we're probably going to have, what you, you won't see on the footage sometimes is that the, um, the pro athletes actually warm up. Um, coming, there's a beach down by the hotel, the King Cam Hotel and they don't, often don't actually go in through the, the start entrance, they actually swim all the way around the pier so uh, we'll see who we can spot on the start line. But what, we've got 25 minutes to go. So I'm sure we'll have talked about this in the
0: introduction to today's show but basically what John and I are going to do today, we're not going to talk about the race because you guys know the race by the time we get this out, we're just going to kind of talk about yeah. the day, you know what's it like to be here as a, as a spectator, uh, maybe interview a few people on the street and uh, yeah, and just kind of give you some experience of what it's actually like to be here.
1: Holy moly, the sun's just about to come over the, uh, the hills. Red and sky. It's a spectacular red sky. Yeah, Pretty cool stuff. So we'll be back later on team but uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty exciting day and
0: Big day for the athletes, you work so hard for this moment and about half an hour from now, the pros are going to be taken, what what is this distance,
1: the difference in start times? (laughs) you are you going to say, what are the
4: distances? The the,
1: Uh, the guys start at 6.25, I think the girls are maybe 10 or 15 minutes after that, I think maybe 10, and then the age group is I think 6.55 and then the uh, age group women are I think 10 or 15 minutes after that. Okay there you go, so guys we'll be back
0: in about one second in some other part of the race. Okay team, John and I are kind of, kind of trying to kill some time, wait a second, oh no, hang on, the push record, this thing is confusing because you have to push record twice. You're easily confused. Well that, that doesn't help as well but it is a little, you have to admit it is a bit confusing isn't it? Yeah, it's a tickle. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, give me some love here. So we're trying to kill some time here and we've got a game that we thought that you guys could participate in and we're going to try to see, now we're going to look like sexist pigs here because do you reckon we'll be able to do both? Uh,
1: Give it a go because you've got some pretty good long streaks yeah, there. Yeah, the, the female is doing it long streaks. What you're doing, yeah. So
0: the game is we're going to go back from, from today's, from, from last year, mm-hmm. backwards, trying to name all the Ironman champions, trying to get the year right. So
1: so play along. So last year the winner was? Uh, Fredino and Reef. What about this year? The winner was um, Fredino and Reef again this year. Well, let's make that prediction. Yep. Fredino and Reef this year. Okay, okay, that's what you're saying. Um, okay, the year before we had.
0: <laughs> Keenlay
1: and Carfree.
0: Yep and then the year
1: before that we had Pete Jacobs, no. No was it, was it Freddie was it, the year before that? Yeah I think Freddie Van Laird. Yep uh, and then the girl was probably, was it Rini again? I would think so, Chrissy's last one was the year before that, we're not going to go very far at all. No we're really struggling, we're only five years out. Year Pete Jacobs. The year the before that was Pete Jacobs. But then
0: 2011 would have been. The, girl, the girls that year would have been Chrissy Wellington. Yeah was that her last win was it? I think so, and yep. then did she miss the year before that? Because she missed the year didn't she? Yeah and that would have been Rinny yep. and. Uh, that might have been Mecca or Crowey. I think Crowey. Yeah because yeah, we were here. Okay then the year before that was probably Mecca. And then we had Chrissy for what? three years. yep and so there was and that was Crowey Mecca basically took out those ones. Hmm.
1: Then so before the Crowey and Mecca sort of duel, because they they duped it out for a number of years. Who, who
0: won it before Chrissy? Who was that was it Rennie won it before Chrissy? You're playing at home, you're, and you know the answers, you're ashamed of us. But I don't think many people will have to win this game very well.
1: No, that's the thing. That's why That's why I c- can work quite well with the ITU, because you've got a location and a winner. <laughs> whereas here, it's and, and it, you, I kind of know the years. You've got so association happening. Yes, whereas here, yeah, it's just a bit of a jumble, jumble mix. I think if we sat down on a piece of paper, methodically worked through it, because you had that sort of, the Stadler era as well before. before so we who won it, it, it before Crow? Was it, was it, So you had for Al Sultan and Stadler? Yep. And there was sort of and was in there once or twice, and then before that you kind of had the Peter Reid and Tim DeBoom era, yeah. and then before Were that there
0: any randoms in that time.
1: Well, you had Thomas mm. Helwrigg won it once. that's earlier had, than that. Yeah, and Luke van Leer won it before that. It's going back into the 90s, yeah. and then it kind of got a bit easier because you had that Mark Allen Dave Scott era, and then you had well she P- took it out one year. That was what was that about 90.
0: Eighty-eight, wasn't it? No, 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 no um, who, ninety-eight.
1: Who won in eighty-eight? Good old Melina Yeah, no. Well, she would have been, uh, yeah, about ninety-eight. I think you're yeah. right.
0: Yeah.
1: Could she, okay. And she, then, she, and then we had old girl um, side of things. We had the the badminton era, and then you had the the random odd winners. You know, with Mckeleigh Jones took one. Um, Here the Fure took one in there as well. And uh, we're and doing we're doing okay. We're doing we, okay. Let get back to Jones. Did she take one? Yeah, she took one. and She took a second as well. But you had those big streaks by Badman.
0: Yeah, and then we had the Paul Newby- the yeah, and New Fraser era. The
1: Laurie Bowden era before that as well, she was on and off. So you know. what, she on twice, didn't she? I think so. Yeah. So I think we could probably name all the winners and then just put them all into order. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty piss poor effort. OK, the time, I know we're... <laughs> we're <laughs> moving on to another subject. So, I know we're not going to commentate during the day but it is 6.12 now and so 13 minutes till the guys start, I can't actually see any swimmers in the water yet.
0: No, someone was warming up before. I did see a couple people swimming out. Yep. So there we
1: go over there. I've got, got a few people coming in. So, so one some or of two the pros warming up by the pier. Yeah. I'm going to do a boat count here because you guys again won't see this. There's about what four zodiacs out there. Oh, then here comes another one. Jeez, we were been lucky to get on a boat this year.
0: Well, we should we're, have.
1: John said no, and I'm regretting. I'm, I should have. I should have pulled rank on that one. You should have overruled me. Yeah. And uh, let's. Try, we'll try to do a board cat paddler count as well because I reckon there's going to be about fifty odd out there. It is crazy. As we were talking, yeah.
0: about. here comes the <laughs> helicopter. Getting serious team, the helicopter's here, so it's all about the happening team, so we'll be back later on. Helicopters are so cool, they just came hovering in
1: around the pier, that's wicked, I love helicopters. Amazing. they actually
0: use a helicopter nowadays cause with, with drones and stuff, you know, like the helicopters for, because I imagine they're using it for camera reasons, it's amazing they are still using a helicopter, not a drone. I know, I, I agree. Because a drone could get right down on top of the swimmers, mm. couldn't it? Mm. And you just hope it doesn't <laughs> go in the juice. <laughs> exactly. Right, guys, we'll be back soon. So one of the questions John and I always get is, you know, if you're coming here to spectate, what do you do for your day? And uh, I've got to say, you want to you be down in the pier pretty early to get a good spot on the pier because the, the pier is pretty cool because it's basically like a big amphitheatre for the swim start, so that kind of
1: makes it pretty exciting. John, you're loving the helicopter, aren't you? Oh, I'm loving the <laughs> helicopter. That's where we want to be. Let's see if they can get a little list to get on the helicopter. Oh, we've got a number, a pro coming past.
0: Here. OK, here we go, we've got number... 121, number 21 John.
1: I'm going to get my programme out. And figure he's, out. He's,
0: John's going to get the programme, he loves this crap. He loves it, he's a train spotter from way back old John Newsom is. So yeah if you do come along and you ever come along and you do want to see the race, ultimately you want to try scam a media pass, say you work for your local news channel. If you can't get that, get along to the pier nice and early, because you can get a good position on the pier, you can just sit up on the pier. may want to put something underneath your butt because it's not that comfortable, because you're sitting on rocks, but by doing that you can just sit down and pretty much sit out the hour or so that people are going to be out there in the water. John's starting to get pretty excited, he's pulling out the old, he's pulling out the uh, the, the programme, he's getting number 21, who's number 21 It's the question that we're trying to figure out right now.
1: Bevan, if you, have you, you haven't done, I, I put on Facebook this morning, uh, picks for 33rd, who's, who's going to get 33rd? Anikolanis. Actually, I didn't put mine down either. What was yours? Um, I'm going to go with Boris Stein. It's a yes, is Anikolanis racing? He says that was Ben Hoffman who swam past. Oh, the Hoff. Oh, ben Hoffman, there you I go. we got blinded by that big, uh, big medallion around his that's neck. Right.
0: The, the big sexy stud that he is. Okay, another nice thing that's also happening right now is as people are setting up for their bike, the supporters are coming along and just giving a bit of love. And there is that moment of energy that people give to each other that's actually quite a, an important part of the day. You know, you, everyone's quite serious, and then you see your friends and your family. and they just give you some energy, and it's quite cool. And you see that kind of connection between friends, which is a, a big part of what we're doing. John, what are you thinking
1: as you're looking at the numbers? Um, well, I'm looking at who was the last qualifier on the guys. It was Callum Millwood, number 59. And on the girls' side of things, the last qualifier. Uh, well, they got Natasha Badman, She's number 144. Number 143. Last qualifier on the girls was Michaela Hurlbauer from Austria. Because Natasha Badman was a uh, what do you call An her? Yeah. An extra. An extra. Um, <laughs> discretionary spot, uh, I don't know. Hot spot? Yeah. Like a lot Wi-Fi? Yeah. We need popcorn around here. We got popcorn? No. Oh, imagine that. We should have brought some cheers. There is more boats out on the water this year than I've ever seen before. Yeah,
6: so there you go.
0: We, we, we really are filling up these gaps at times. Here we go, so we're gonna, we'll are gonna. we we'll be back just before the race start. So the males race has just taken off, guys. We were gossiping and the, the gun went off and we got a bit shot. Um, John, what are, the, what are what's happening with the pros? What are the pros
1: going through right now? Well, you guys probably be seeing this on the screen as well if you are watching. But it's definitely you had the good swimmers on either side of the start, and uh, the guys who are weaker swimmers are definitely uh, sitting in the middle. And yeah, two big groups straight away. But let's try not to commentate as we go through the day. Yeah, but, but isn't just like you know these
0: pros are just getting the rhythm of the day, you know? Yeah, it's uh, kind of what happens really, isn't it? And the gap between the gills is the gap that it is. No but what is the time? I think it's 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So there we go, the guys are just gone. Okay we're back in here, and to start the females race.
1: Interesting after the fact, observation that I've got is the guys were really tightly packed together at the start, uh, the girls, <laughs> whoo, they're off, very spread out, Although they they've taken up the whole line whereas the guys were all bunched together.
0: And I have to say, the girls to the right of the course just got (laughs)
1: blown away by that gun because it was just right next to the ear, wasn't it? Very tame start by the girls. They are all over the place in terms of being spread out compared to the guys. Interesting. But but does it just
0: you know like they're going to hit that first boy anyway? So pretty pointy straight away, or do you think you get much of a gap in this kind of couple hundred meters?
1: Uh, There's just lots of little groups forming. There's little lines of three already.
0: Interesting stuff team, there's more observations.
1: Amazing podcasting. <laughs>
0: this is unbelievable. Team, you've got hours of this coming. Okay John, we've just started the men's men age group race and I've got to say it's, it's an awesome spectacle isn't it?
1: It is incredible. And uh, yeah, very very spread out. We've got guys that are actually about to swim down the right hand side of the course. But I actually noticed, if you're coming here in future years, the guys that did start right hard up against the pier... You might actually have a reasonable sort of line to the first buoy and be able to sort of stay out of the mix but I have a feeling when they do actually turn in they're going to uh, get a bit of a munch. We're looking for Hector Picard, the guy who's doing the breaststroke but I can't see him yet. And there's a few people here at the back and we've been going. The front guys are probably what 75 metres into their swim, maybe even 100. Yeah. Easy. And there's one guy who's just come across the start line now.
0: Well there's a couple of people who, who like are very slow and so obviously they're going to be pushing that 2.20 kickoff time, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's a pretty special sight to be here right now. You've got you know people obviously all around the amphitheatre of the the pier here, but also you've just got all these athletes. A uh, widespread, spread, they all narrow in as they head into the first boy, but it's just a, a pretty special thing to see. All the female age groupers are now coming into the water. They've got the pink caps. We've got another blue guy who's starting. He's a little bit late. Look at him. He's in with the girls. What's all that about? Hey, Casanova over there.
1: This guy over here doing breaststroke with a wetsuit on, he must be a para-athlete, I reckon. Yeah, so it's actually, I've never actually thought about the slow people at the back, but, yep, that's, uh, everyone's out there to race
0: teams, so good luck to the athletes racing. Okay, jumping now we're down by Hot
1: Corner, and uh, they don't have the big pumping music this year. They're lacking in the music here. I, mean, I just want to say one other thing, we'll go to the music second. It's ridiculous when you walk around this place, we've got Emma Snow standing directly next to us and then we've got Dave Scott's just walked past, I can see Craig Alexander about 100 metres or 50 metres down the road, walked along the pier and there's uh, saw Karen Smyers and they're just everywhere the past champions, it's good to see.
0: Yeah it's really cool to see, so we're at Hot Corner but for some reason normally what you, they've got a guy on a, on a stand way up above everyone pumping some music, lots of commentary and just a bit lacking this year John. It is. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, like this, this is this is a cool spot, and you kind of think that right now you want that energy, so that's okay. We're, we're just we're just kind of waiting for the first leaders to come out of the water for the swim. Uh, they're going to be heading up on long uh, first part of the ride here, and it's a pretty exciting moment. Okay, well, no, well, here we go. Action time. Okay, so we're going to be away soon, but yeah, a little bit lacking in the music. But here we go. Let's do it. Okay, so I got Chris next to me. He's one of the epic campers. Uh, how, first of all, how's the epic camping for you?
4: Oh, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Why? You know, you get to meet a lot of uh, great people from around the world and uh, train every day, right?
7: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So this is your first time in, in Kona for the race? First time for the race. And uh, well, early on in the day we were just kind of up went from waiting for them to come up the, up the hill for the pros. Uh, how are you
8: enjoying
9: it? Oh, we're, we're having a great day. We got up really early and went down and sat on the waterfront so we could see the pros start to swim. And uh, as soon as the last group went out, we came up to get a spot so we can see them fly down the hill at 60 miles an hour and
2: come back up about 10. It's
0: just a cool atmosphere, isn't it?
2: <laughs> it is fantastic. Everybody is so awesome. Just just amazing.
0: So the rest of the day, just hang around and just keep enjoying the day?
2: Hang around with the, all the people we've met and watch the peop- all the spectators and yeah, spectators and athletes. It'll be fun. Okay, well, you enjoy the day. Thank
0: you. Over here, I've got, I've got another epicamper name, place. John Shipman from Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon? Bend, oh. Oregon. Make sure you plug the Abbey Bike Tools. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, he's got a business. Tell us about oh, your business. Yeah. yeah, so we make uh, professional bike tools for the professional mechanic, abbeybiketools.com. Yeah. Check us out. There you go. See, so, he always yeah. give it a plug. How <laughs> you, you did you do camp? How have you, how did you enjoy Epic camp? Oh, it was fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> got to ride around the entire island. Uh, rained on a few days, but you know it's a good time. <laughs> and what about today? What's what's it like being here?
1: Oh, it's there's a there's a ton of energy sitting on the uh, sitting on the rock wall watching the swim was just great. Can't can't take away that moment.
0: Nice, nice. Enjoy the day, mate. Yep. Thanks. Okay, I got a couple of boys from Melbourne name? Luke. Luke. And Aiden. And who are you supporting today, guys? Uh Megan Harvey, 1506. fifteen oh six. Fifteen even remembers the number, that's impressive. <laughs> and Brenda number fifteen eleven. And you're supporting anyone or the same people?
8: The same people, yeah. Yeah, just thought we'd uh, come over and say good day and
0: first time on the big island?
8: Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, first time here. Been to uh, Honolulu before, but not to Kona. So. Yeah,
0: how are you enjoying the whole experience, and even just today so far? Been awesome. Been a great week. Seeing the
1: volcano, seeing the bay, seeing the dolphins. Uh, lots of swimming. It's, I mean, been, it's
0: been, been. I've been, been here like eight times. And I've done none of that. Disappointing.
1: <laughs> 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 been fantastic. Well, Good week. Too much time on our
8: hands. We should be training more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, plan for today. Uh, hang around here for a bit. Maybe head out to towards wow. Harvey. Yeah. See uh, a bit of the bike, and then back in for the run.
0: And, and deliver on the experience. Oh, 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 oh been awesome, been a great week. Can recommend anyone who's a big triathlon fan to come out here for a week and, and do it once, yeah. Uh, shout outs to anyone? Um, hi to all the guys at wadding Triathlon Club back in Melbourne. Nunawadding? wadding What a name! The wadding Triathlon Club, there we go. Go NTC. NTC! <laughs> there we go, good work, boys. Nice, okay, okay wait, wait a second. I've got who from where?
10: Laurie Sherlock from West Virginia. And
0: you're, you're working with Goo?
10: I'm working with Goo this week, yeah. This
1: week, she, she, she works herself around, you know, who's the, who's the top dollar? But she's got herself in the ideal position, she's all qualified for this race next year.
10: Oh wow, we did to do that. Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was down there uh, just two weeks ago. But in some ways, like I was speaking to someone the other day
0: about this, and they did the same thing last year, and they did say it was kind of challenging no, to... No, it's a good thing, because okay. as coaches say, it's okay. a good thing, <laughs> <laughs> okay? Gold thing. So you're very lucky to have done this.
10: Yes, I feel very blessed, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, well, you know, what
0: you've been obviously kind of working at WFQR this week. What's that entail for you?
10: It's basically trying to get the product out as quickly as possible, so people get to taste it. Um, Kona is a little bit different because you get to taste things, you get to try things the first time around. This is where they debut everything.
0: Okay. And what's the, what's the new thing?
10: So right now, Goo has um, Summit Tea, which is a new rock flavor. Uh, very light on the palate, but yet it's 250 calories per bottle. Oh wow! So it's a lot of caffeine, a lot of calories, and um, light on your palate, so it's not rough on the on the gullet. And then also um, our stroopwaffle. So the stroopwaffle is 150. Calories to 140 calories somewhere in that range. Um, some of them are gluten free, some of them aren't. We've been sampling those like crazy, and they're going they're going really well. Okay, guys.
0: So if you want to check out Gersey, go. See good. good luck next year. This time, you've, you don't you have to think about anything else for the rest of this year. Apparently, it's the best way to do it. <laughs> it
1: is. You spend you spend your winter focusing on your running, spank out an amazing marathon, do some short course stuff, and then just roll out an Ironman, and it's good. Job's good. What's an amazing marathon for
10: you? Um, for me, I did a like a. Uh, Three twenty something. Nice, so I need nice. To remember
0: my
1: time.
10: At, at Boston.
0: Yeah. Boston. Yeah. Boston. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, good luck for the rest of the year, and we'll see you here next year, maybe. Thank you. Well, no, you won't see us because we only come every second years. We
10: might come. Well, we might come just
0: because you're racing. I
10: think that's a good plan.
0: right we will back it up. Okay, I'm getting told off by the people <laughs> on the side of the road. Oh, no, the road, right. road, road, I Okay, love your work. See, stupid. Oh, okay, we are here. We've got tra- name from Training
1: Peaks.
9: Uh, AJ Johnson, I'm the content manager and power analyst. It's a good name isn't yeah, it? I made it up. Hey, hey own it. <laughs> I do.
1: And uh so what, well, hurry up, hurry up, we've got the last of the, the pro females going past and they are a long way down. Um, what can we expect from Training Peak's sort of post race because this is going to be coming out after the, the show, uh, after the big race is done. In terms of looking at power files, what do you guys got in store?
9: Yeah, we've got a lot of great stuff in store from a, a lot of pro men and, and pro women, um, kind of what we've done similar to the past where we're going to get head units actually right as they come off the bike in T2 and uh, take a quick look at the power, um, you know, looking at the standard of kind of VI, IF, those sorts of things. and. Really, to be honest with you, uh, I don't expect to see anything different than we've seen in the past because, you know, we've been looking at power files since, you know, here in Kona since 2011. Um, and every successful power file that I've seen has the exact same uh, formula, right? The, their variability index is 1.05 or under um, and intensity. And they, see, Natasha Badman, right, six-time world champion, and she's just smiles. I love it. Um yeah, intensity factor. You know, for for the men, will be up to about .80. That's you know 80 percent of their functional threshold power. A little bit lower for the women. Um, and it's just a matter of how many, how many watts can you push um, and keep within those realms. And that's, age groupers are a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, under that. Their IF is going to be maybe 0.75 top age groupers, might get into the 0.8s, you're, you're gambling there. When you look at the ones who, you know, you took
0: those are the successful people. When you see the explosions, what do you
9: see right. there? Um, you know, it's a, it's a few things, right? Um, some of the guys uh, we see, they take they take flyers off the front. And uh, they're just not prepared to go over threshold for for long enough. So um, those are guys who could have had a success, a more successful uh, race, had they maybe paced it a little bit better. But again, this is this is Kona. There's a lot more tactical than um, any other Ironman, and and you see it, I guess, also with guys who are back of the pack. Uh, they have to make up that ground somewhere. So. It's interesting to see some of the guys early. I think you know, early in the early 2000s, maybe mid 2000s, you saw guys that are out of the pack, or you know, back of the pack swimmers tried to make it up as quickly as they can. Um, and now you're seeing some guys maybe uh, pace that a little bit better. But you, if you want to be in, in the mix to win this race, you have to be at the front by the time they make the turn for Kawhi, because you've seen that now where guys like you know Luke McKenzie and Keenley, and you know in the day you know Van Honecker and those guys would just you know they put the pressure on on the way up to javi and they kind of start to make that selection but really yeah. if you if you weren't on that train on the way back from uh javi and and that little climate kawaii the race was potentially potentially gone from you um so you know guys like a lionel sanders like a joe skipper like a jesse thomas uh you know they're gonna pace themselves a lot better um but they they've got to be at that front uh um, you know, to to have a shot, you know, crack, maybe the win or even, even top five anymore. It's it's pretty impressive.
1: So, you have you know, again, this is going to come out after the fact, but we've seen some athletes go down here quite a long way down. So Keenlay's a, a lot further down than perhaps what he might normally be. Yeah. Have you seen, you know, do you think that in some ways might be an advantage he can just ride his own pace up to the front group? Because he will get there. It's just a matter of when he gets there.
9: Yeah, I think I think for Keenlay, he's got a decision to make right now, right? Like, is he going to... Um, you know, I don't want to say panic because he, he's a world champion, right? Uh, he, he's a smart racer He whatever decision he makes is gonna be um, based on um, How he's feeling today how his training has gone, so I, I think you're right though I think he is he's smart enough and he's confident enough, especially in his run that he doesn't feel I don't think He feels like he's got to you know get to the front and get six seven minutes on guys That's that's not what he has to do anymore but um you know he was right there with Jesse Thomas, who is another phenomenally strong cyclist. Um, you know he, you know Jesse you know, beat Ferdinando at Lanzarote. Um, you know and that's a really really difficult course. Even the pros going over five hours. And Jesse had a normalized power of over 295 watts on that course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jesse's a huge engine too. So I think it's it's one thing to see Sebastian back that far, but he's got Jesse with him, and Jesse wants to get to that front as well. Um, so I think that. It's a different, time. And, and you know, if Lionel catches up to them, I mean, if, if Lionel Sanders, because he, I was watching him come through, he was about another two and a half to three minutes back of those two. Mm-hmm. If if Lionel were to decide, because that's kind of what Lionel needs to do, he needs to get that, he needs to get to a, a second group, he needs like a Joe Skipper to help him along. If he were to hammer it down, now that's a huge effort for him, because mm-hmm. Keeneland and Thomas are not going to sit around and wait for anybody. Um, but you know, if, if you know, Keenley and Thomas together are, are gonna, are gonna, they're gonna catch that that front group. They're gonna be in the mix, um, especially if, if, if you know. I mean, I, I was yelling at Lionel coming out of the swim. I said, "You've got three minutes to to Jesse and Sebastian." So. Yeah. yeah, again, it's decision time, and this yeah. is the world championship. It's a huge gamble. But if you're going to gamble,
0: today is the day to do it. Well, and it's a risk you got to take, isn't it? You know, if you yeah. want to win this thing, if you want to be competitive, yeah.
9: today's the day we take the risks. If, if you're an age grouper, don't do it. Yeah. You know, I definitely would never tell an age group, even if you want. You're three win. minutes down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if you think you can win your age group and you've done it before, I, that's a whole different breed.
1: Yeah. Uh, in terms of the run files, I mean, we often talk about power and yeah. stuff on the run. What what do you see from the run files from the pro athletes? Um, do they actually manage to speed up at all or is it a general slowdown across the board for all of them?
9: Um, You know, it's a general slowdown for all of them. We don't get a whole lot of data off the run, mainly because a lot of the pro athletes, simply don't wear a watch they don't wear gps they don't wear heart rate and again you know they i'm sure they do in training but in kona on race day it's all about placing right and and i think also um you know the heat and humidity affects people very differently so um you know however this year uh, we are working with some some polar athletes so thankfully a day or two after the race we are gonna have a look at at their data and we'll be doing some some real in-depth data analysis of that I think what you're gonna see though like you were talking about it's not so much how fast those guys can run as who slows down the least and you gotta always have to remember uh, uh, um, a solid run is based off how well you pace your bike you know so you see guys like um, uh, Bart Ironhout and, and Cyril Venue who you know just uh, amazingly, can haul off these low 240 marathons, um, and and I don't, I would never say that they're weak on the bike, right? They are still very, very solid uh, on, on the bike portion, but they just, they, they know that their strength is coming through the field um, on the, you know, during the marathon. But yeah, I mean, to your point, those guys all have, they know their thresholds, they know what they can handle. Um, the smart guys who have been here before know the nutrition that they need, is particularly on the bike. Um, And they're prepared for for that, so, um, yeah, they'll be probably right around, you know, I would say, kind of close on the bike, like it's about 80 to 85% of of what they can hold for an hour, Um, because that way you can still keep getting your nutrition in, that's the key.
0: When you look at the stats post race in Kona, is it very different to other Ironman races, or or is it actually pretty similar?
9: No, it's, it's very, very different. Um, obviously, conditions here, but depth of field. And so, um, you know, obviously, we, we also, uh, uh, Peaks, we also own Best Bike Split. So we do a lot of predictions for a lot of these pro athletes. Um, and, and here in Kona, it's very, very different because we might, uh, you know, it, it's a, for a standard uh, uh, Ironman that has maybe potential two to three top athletes, that are going to be paced pretty far apart. They're going to kind of do their own race. They're not, they're kind of marking each other, but not really, um, you know, those are fairly predictable. But you know, like we saw last year, would you have predicted that Ben Hoffman would take a flyer going on to Javi? Would you have predicted that Tim O'Donnell, um, you know, takes a flyer on the way down? So it's, it's difficult to bring that sort of stuff into it um, as far as prediction-wise. And that's, that's what I love about Kona, right? Like, that's the great thing here, particularly. And it's a little bit more different for the women, right? The women are a little bit more spaced out. Um, they do tend to race more, um, you know, like an age group where they, they race their own races. They're not marking each other as much. Uh, but, yeah, with the pro men, you know, you've got 10, 12 guys who are, are going to be in the mix. And there's always that one guy who you know, hasn't, maybe hasn't put a marathon together and they let that guy go or he creeps in and then next thing you know, that guy runs a 248 and, yeah. you know, you, you just, you can't count anybody out.
1: We've got the age group guys coming through now, so we've got to make sure we keep a close eye on them. So AJ from trainingpeaks.com, check out the race coverage there afterwards in terms of all the files, the analysis and stuff. So thanks for your time.
9: Yeah, thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. up, awesome, mate. Thanks. Okay,
11: so we've got who from where? Uh, Craig Gruber from Australia.
0: He's the one we had on the show a while ago. He did that crazy year. What was it you end up doing like seven Iron Man in seven days and seven places?
1: He did the uh, Shining with Shan. Oh
0: shining with Shan, sorry, you had to do the fundraising stuff, didn't you?
11: Yeah, that's right. And, um yeah, Shani, we we did completed Iron Man That's right, yeah, that's right. Got an invite over to Kona in 2014. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately we didn't finish it, but um, yeah, we were out of the water in uh, one hour seventeen, and um, off the bike we were we were twenty minutes too long on the bike. so we got Bike cut off. Hey, so for for you coming back, what's it like being here? Oh, it's fantastic. It gives you goosebumps. Kona's just, you know, the birthplace of this race. It's it's just an amazing atmosphere. The people here, the the. Fittest people in the world here in one weekend. It's amazing.
0: um, It's one of those things that you know, like to do the race is a special thing. But as a triathlete, even just to be in absorb this week is a special thing as well, isn't it?
11: Ah, correct. It's just, um, yeah, it's one of the, the the best weekends you'll ever have if you've never done it and you're an Ironman triathlete. You should come over here and support these guys and just see. You know, you're the best age groupers in the world
0: going around, it's something else. Yeah, Awesome mate, well you enjoy the rest of your day, keep out of trouble. Yeah no worries.
1: Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. I was going, I should have done it a bit earlier though but it was good stuff. Yeah
0: TrainingPeaks have brought out the cowbells to him and John is absolutely loving it. Look at him, he's like a kid at Christmas. TrainingPeaks.com the, time, the
1: big cowbells. So we're watching the age group race, there is guys blitzing it up this time. You just tell by the look on their face that they are well above FTP. Even the guys that aren't going that hard look like they're suffering. And this is uh, you know, 10 miles into the race. So advice for you, if you're ever going to come to Kona, what would your advice be John? Put it into your small gear at the bottom of Polani and just uh, accept you're going to lose you know, 30 seconds.
0: So it doesn't really matter about the pack factor here because eh? with these guys here you're going to get a pretty good draft stream anyway aren't you?
1: Exactly, there's always plenty to come in through and uh, you can really cook yourself in uh, a couple of minutes of uphill.
0: There you go. Get on that cowbell, John. <laughs> John Houston, the ultra-supporter. Love your work, Jumbo. Okay, John, so we're now across the road from Lava Java and we've got lots of people on the street. And who's passing us right now? We've got somebody. They could do a better job of getting names on the numbers. Because do, do numbers really matter
1: nowadays? No, not at all. And uh, and also for the pros, they're putting their surnames. I don't know. Could just have a big, you know, Bart. Yeah, or, 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 or the whole name. Like, numbers... Don't really matter nowadays, do they? Well, you got a double backup. You got the you know, got your number on your arm. You got your timing chip. And for the pros, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. God, we're bitching and moaning today, aren't we? No music.
0: Well, well, no, I just it. think you know, like crowd participation. You know, when you're racing, someone yells out your name, and even if it's a random, it still it still helps. Mm. And you know, because numbers aren't so necessary. Back in the old days, you needed them, but with the technology nowadays, it's just not so necessary. So, just another thing to improve on. We need to
1: do a retraction, though. They did have music at hot corner, and uh, they did have announcers there, but it wasn't as elevated and wasn't projecting quite as far. And as they, they hit did. it a bit low, John. You've got to pump it, don't you? You've got to pump it. You've
0: got to pump, it. pump it, pump it. Okay, so we're lava Java. Now, if you do come to the race again, I agree with you, John. I do think
1: there's more speed. Specific- is here this year? I think it's significantly more. At um, least two years ago. Well so four years ago for me because I was racing last time but yeah. on Palani a lot more people and we're down by Lava Java and usually there's a few people down here but it's really well lined. Mm. Got to give the ups again to Training Peaks for uh, the Bells, they're great, really creates a good, good bit of atmosphere and this year's race, um, you guys will know the result by now but coming off the bike, a lot more congested than, than normal. You know, We've had the first guys come through uh, and 12 minutes down there's guys, you know, a huge number, yeah. a huge number of people in. So, we should see. Um, yeah, whilst the race for first and second might be uh, between the the, the the Germans, I think the the race for the rest of them, everybody's in with in with a good sh- shout of getting on the podium. I'm going to retract my. Uh, What's the retractions happening. What's you know, happening? My, my ITU predictions. The boys are disappointing. <laughs> really disappointing. We haven't seen Tim Don or. Uh, I haven't seen David McNamee go past, Brent McMahon got a, a penalty, so my ITU boys have uh, failed to deliver up to this point. You're lucky Frodo came over. Oh, yes, it's true.
0: Yeah, You're lucky that the one ITU guy is dominating the dojo, so yeah, it's just a cool atmosphere here, the wind's picking up, it's nice and warm, it's kind of just a nice atmosphere, everyone's just kind of waiting for athletes to come along, but we've got another athlete, who's this? You reckon Tim Don? No, he no. looks a bit tall. Yeah. No, Anyway, it's just kind of cool hanging out and just enjoying the race, and that's what if you ever come to Kona, that's what you can do if you're not racing yourself. So we'll be back later on. Okay, so I have got Quentin, Quentin from Auckland. So he's a Kiwi boy. How you going, mate? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, loving the shades.
6: Feeling fresh. <laughs> loving the shades. So tell us about your day, mate. Yeah, good day. Uh, nice uh, hour bash, smash and bash and, uh, out in the water. Um, I think I swam under an hour, and then uh, a nice, uh, nice, nice ride where. Uh, it was kind of a headwind all the way out and all the way back. It didn't get the uh, usual tailwind on through Waikoloa on the way back, so it was a good, uh, good, good ride, good day for the stronger cyclists. But uh, yeah, and then uh, the run, well, it's just whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what were you hoping to do coming into this race? Um, well, I just, I last year I raced here. I, did, I finished with a 9:42, so that was just the the goal was to get that. And I think I was like. 9:37 today, so oh, wow. just snuck under. Yeah. So, so why were you successful? uh a, a good coach, uh good training plan, uh, lots of uh, <laughs> lots of strength on the bike, and I've, this is my third time here. And I think uh, having that experience out on the course, knowing uh, you know where to push it and uh, where, uh, I mean, nutritionally wise, uh, you know, making sure I get everything right was uh, a big key especially here.
0: And so what do you do, you know, because nutrition is kind of another challenge here with the heat factor so what for you
6: made that work? A lot more salt, yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, I just smashed back the salt pills and uh, I think I think I had like 14 bottles of water on the, on the bike alone and then every aid station, two glasses of water and a coke uh, and just yeah, staying hydrated, m- massive key. Why do you love this race so much? Oh, mate it's Hawaii, it's, yeah. it's awesome, I mean crystal clear waters. Nice, nice and warm. Yeah. Beats uh, the winter in New Zealand at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a true test, isn't it? It's, you know,
0: the downfall of our sport is we, you, you know, there's not many races where you get to race the best, yeah. and not just
6: you know, not just for the pros, but all for the age groupers as well.
0: And you, you turn up here, and you know you're
6: against the best, don't you? Oh, uh, exactly. Uh, I, um, I mean, I podiumed at Taupo at Ironman New Zealand uh, this year, and uh, yeah, I turn up here, and then I'm I'm like nowhere in the field. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's just some some great guys out there yeah it's good it's nice to uh be humbled yeah so will you be back if the wife let me let <laughs> me uh, <laughs> how, do you, how do you how do you call the wife into it oh she's pregnant mate so uh <laughs> i'm in i'm in deep trouble next year <laughs> <laughs> well, well good like maybe maybe you'll leave on this high note great yeah cheers thanks bevan was thanks for your time mate well done
0: um, it's, it's actually robert everyone calls you rob the robinator how'd you go
12: <laughs> oh man that marathon is tough um Went pretty well though. Uh, happy with uh, happy with time, um, and then just gutting it out on the marathon. I was trying to go as close to three hours as possible, and uh, I think I came in at like three twelve or something. But God, that marathon course is so hard. <laughs> so,
0: so tell us about your whole day. So, swim bike went well.
12: Yeah, the swim went great. Um, I. Uh, you know, it, like the first five minutes or so, it's like a fist fight out there. But um, uh, I was able to come in around an hour, which I was pumped about. I um, was able to get on feet fairly early and then get some clear water after about 15 minutes. Uh, on the bike, I was going well. Um, a lot of drafting and stuff going on. And uh, after getting swallowed by a few packs and whatnot, uh, I got caught up in one and ended up getting a drafting penalty. Oh, so got a. But
0: it's kind of hard. We we're watching the, on the on TV. Yeah. At, at way out, and you saw the pros, and then you saw that you got you know the main field coming, yeah. and it's kind of hard not to draft, isn't it?
12: It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would sit up as a, I'd get swallowed by a pack and try to give enough space, but a, at times it's just inevitable. Yeah. Um, and those who are like sitting in in a pack, I'm there. It's. I understand it's it's tough for them to have anywhere to go really just just the makeup of the course everyone being you know really strong cyclists uh, everyone kind of coming out of the water around an hour um, but you know uh, it happens and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to have gotten across the line and uh, you know to have uh, had some decent times so the run you fought through Oh my God, it was a suffer fest. It was unbelievable. My my times yo-yoed from like, you know, a six thirty mile to an eight thirty mile to, and then you know, uh, coming in and out of the energy lab. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a good day. Uh, a lot of uh, everyman Jack guys out there uh, kicking ass. Um, so fun to have not only them out on the course, but then you know their friends and family uh, cheering the team on. So very cool. A lot of I am talk guys too. It was, oh, nice. uh, it was great seeing them out there. Yeah.
0: What What, what do you take away from the race? Ah, uh.
12: you know this island is incredibly hard. Whether it's uh, you know the just the crowded uh, uh, makeup of the swim or the bike course, the winds on the bike were brutal. Uh, and then you know even the run was not super hot, uh, especially once you get up on a Leahy, but. I hadn't realized how hilly the run course is. Yeah. It, it's a brutal run yeah, course, but
0: it's more long rolling hill. You know, yeah, not, not yeah. spiky, is
12: it? No. Um, I mean, you do have the some some spikes like the polani or coming out of the Energy Lab, but on the Queen K, it's freaking hilly. Yeah. I was getting uh, I was getting smoked by some of them, but uh, yeah, it, it, it turned out well. I'm, I'm I'm pumped just to be here, and it's uh, such an awesome atmosphere.
1: Just, I've, got, I've only haven't heard what Rob's been saying, but oh, I, profound I, stuff. I had a look, we had a look at your your, your Garmin track, not Garmin, uh, the cork tracking oh, online. Yeah. How did that work? Because we could see your yeah. power output, your average power output. Okay. We could see loads cool. of stuff on there.
12: Yeah, I, I, I had no idea if it was working or not, and at times I'd be like lugging this kind of heavier thing here. Let me show you guys it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's kind of like a small phone, a small yeah, old exactly. phone.
12: Exactly. It's like the old like Nokia yeah. type yeah, yeah, style. Yeah. 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 But uh, I'm happy that it was. If it hadn't been working, I'd be pretty upset. <laughs> locking this like brick around. But uh, no, it's that's awesome that it worked. Uh, I've got uh, family and friends here, so I was, you know, rocking it just to make sure they'd have some clue as to where I am, since it can be tough, uh, tough spotting people. But uh, yeah, that's that's awesome that uh, that it was able to pick up power, heart rate, and all that stuff.
0: Well, congratulations, mate! You knocked off Kona. Oh,
12: yeah. Well, thank you. Um, it's good to be here and uh, hope to be back sometime in the, uh, in the potentially distant future, but so- sometime at some
1: point. Hey mate, love your work. Thanks. Sweet. Uh, right, guys, uh, you, you will have heard from Damien the other day uh, and he came into this race having uh, all sorts of challenges with collarbone issues and uh, what have you, so talk us through your day.
3: Mate, I haven't swum for like six weeks, obviously, and I swam a 59, so that's a PB out there, so I think i just got to stop swimming. Yeah, (laughs) secret, easy. I rode a 447 or something like that, and I haven't run for about eight weeks, and I think, I don't know, I have no idea what I ran, but it's like a 925 or something, so... Solid. Considering the lack of fitness and, you know, the challenges I had to get here, I'm super happy. All All I wanted to do was just go out and have a good day and just be proud of the effort I put in. So regardless of the times and places and whatnot, you know, sometimes it isn't about placing, it's just about heart.
1: When you're you're obviously motoring through a big chunk of the field out there, are you having guys sort of trying to jump on your wheel and and did you have anybody to work with?
3: Well, we've got uh, Nathan Shearer sitting, like, standing right next to me. He ended up winning. Oh, nice. Um, I'll
1: grab him in a second.
3: I think I ended up catching him at about, what, 20k? And I I knew he was going to win, so I basically sat behind him for a good
1: 150k of the bike (laughs) so i wasn't silly and did he say sayonara on the run
3: um oh he just a bit more bike fit than i and he uh he dropped it and i knew it was time to let him go so from there on i just worked with a couple other guys and um yeah just still got it in a reasonable time but you know i knew that i wasn't Super fit, so you got to be you got to be mindful sometimes. Cool. You can't can't go
1: silly. i have grabbed this guy, fella, over here. So uh, come and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, mate, how's it going? Good. Tell us your name and where you're from. And is, is that an everyman Jack, or is that a uh, and what do you got going on there? A
13: uh, bit of just sponsor garbage on the suit. Yeah. Um, I'm Nathan Shearer. I'm from Melbourne. Uh, used to be a fat cricketer, turned triathlete. Met Damo what two years ago? Melbourne. Yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah. Ironman Melbourne and. We've been pretty fucking close ever since, so (laughs) Um, we raced New Zealand together. And then I went and watched Spectator Demo race Cairns, and he obviously qualified for this. And then when he caught me on the bike, just turned around It's was like deja vu for New Zealand again. Just ra- racing with your mates. Yeah. At a World Championships, you kind of pinch yourself, eh? So,
1: so what, what age group are you guys?
13: We're 25, 29. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so did you, did you feel like you knew you had it when you are coming off the bike, or did you think, I'm going to have to lay down a pretty big run here?
6: Um,
13: to be honest I didn't actually feel that good on the bike, I felt just I felt sore all day, I was pushing okay numbers but um, didn't really feel 100% on, so I knew it was going to be a gritty kind of day and I was still pushing good numbers in that last 20k into town, I ended up on my own I passed quite a few people, um, someone told me when I got off the bike I was 6 overall and then I was in, I was first age grouper for about 35, 36k and I got passed.
1: Ah, so, whereabouts?
13: Oh, like 5k from town, from the finish line. Oh. And maybe 2k from the top of Polanyi Hill.
1: Was it a blitzing pass or was it yeah, something you could
13: Yeah, he was moving well and I'd started to really hit the wall. Um, so my coach found me and he's like, mate, just you might, like daylights between you and second yeah. overall even, so just... Just keep running, basically. Keep moving. Get home. F- forget, you know, racing because you can't race if you got no fuel anyway. So, yeah.
1: Oh well, bloody hell! Advanced Australia Fair, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well done, fellas! Great racing.
13: Thanks, mate. Cheers.
3: I had a. I had, a Here we go. I had an outstanding bet. It was if Nathan won, I was gonna do a shoey at the finish line.
1: Oh, right, so he's got. He held cr- his end of the bargain. Yeah. I held mine. Oh my goodness, he's just down a Corona from the shoe. <laughs> tasty. Is that a is that a fresh brand new shoe or is that? That well, is a
3: brand new shoe. That doesn't make it
1: quite so bad. And was there any uh, urine excreted during the run? There was. Yeah, oh tasty. Well done, fellas. Mountain snails uh, accosted me on the streets as I'm approaching the finish line to go down for some of the later finishes, and we've got a. I think maybe a Kiwi finisher here, I'm not quite sure, but uh, tell us who you are, where you're from, and how your day went.
11: Viv Collier from Wellington, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Uh, 45 to 49 age group. Had a
14: pretty good day out there, first timer, Mm. and I finished.
1: Good. Yes. Was it uh, easier, harder, or about what you expected?
5: Uh, No expectations. Mm -hmm. So the expectation was to get across the finish line, and yes, it was hard.
1: But the, the wind and the mm. the course, what was that like? Hard, hard. <laughs> and what? How long have you been finished for? Uh, of
11: hours? Yeah, probably two hours. Oh. Twelve thirty. Trip to the IV. Yeah. Getting full value yeah. from the uh,
1: from the experience.
3: the, the IV was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's brought me back.
1: And uh, at this time, giving me finished two hours, is there any motivation to come back and do this beast again?
5: Of course
1: mad. (laughs) Mountain snail, how was your experience of the day? That oh, was excellent actually. Um, uh, yeah,
4: getting to know all these random age groupers from all these random countries, learning about hop, 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 or whatever the Germans say to each other.
7: Hop, 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 hop. right.
4: Yeah, small Kiwi contingent, but they all did really, really well. Um, Bevan McKinnon, you need to get him on actually. He won his age group mm-hmm. by over a minute. It's very impressive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. over a minute, a whopping one minute.
1: Yeah, I know, It was very it? impressive.
4: Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. So yeah, nice, nice to see that. Yeah, but everyone did super well. Anyway. Viv- Done super well. You need to talk to her. She's mum of about three
1: thousand children. Three thousand? Really?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. Busy person. (laughs) Four children and a husband. Doesn't that count for five? And did you bring them over? I would have loved to, but uh, no. 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 Very good.
1: Okay. Well, congratulations. We look forward to seeing you on the uh, start line next time. Thank you. So I'm sitting down, standing down here at the finish line. Bevan's uh, departed me for the evening. It's coming up to 10.30, I said I'd come down for some of the ladder finishes, so I am here. But I do have to say, it's pretty thin pickings, I've been standing around for probably about 10 minutes or so, nobody's actually come through the finishing chute, so I am going to try to grab a couple of these latter finishes, um, but yeah, coming up to 10.30, a few drops of rain coming out, fantastic running conditions. But sadly, not many finishes coming through, well possibly good because it uh, means they've obviously finished earlier in the day. So I'm just going to grab uh, two or three finishes, have a bit of a chat, see what it's like there out once the, the sun goes down, gets dark, glow sticks, glow sticks start coming out. But uh, I've got a couple of finishes coming through now so we'll see what we can do. They don't look too inebriated so uh, we'll give it a crack. I'm
14: alive. You're alive. I can talk.
1: Good. Tell us your name and where you're from.
14: My name is Angela Kwong. I'm from Honolulu, Hawaii.
1: Fantastic. So first time racing?
14: Uh, This is my first Kona by my fifth Ironman.
1: Right. What were your uh, expectations going into today?
14: I absolutely have no expectations except just have a a pleasant race and didn't want to set myself up for any kind of pressure. But I did have targets, but I didn't really have expectations, just um, do my best. So I'm
1: picking. If you're from Honolulu, the conditions were probably not too much of a surprise for you.
14: Um, I have to say, it's not too much of a surprise. It's very unpredictable, and um, the wind definitely was relentless. Yeah. Um, but the volunteers is absolutely amazing. Without them, there's no way I could have finished. And my boyfriend there, pushing me along the way, but but um. It, it, it's not. It's very predictable uh, unpre- it, uh, Unpredictable in a way that it's predictable. Does that make sense? Exactly. I'm not really making sense for the eyes. <laughs>
1: and where did you qualify?
14: Actually, I uh, didn't qualify. I actually have a lottery slot From nice. um, we have uh, uh, <coughs> lottery for uh, residents. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, no. But I, I placed a couple of times. Ag, you know, second and third place. But I, I feel very blessed that I actually being around these top notch athletes um, and was very motivating. I just have, I have to train just as hard. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Now what's it you know for, for a lot of the athletes out there they're out there and smashing it to pieces but they get in before dark what's it like out there on the especially on the Queen K once the Sun's gone down and uh, what sort of a place is it like out there?
14: It's actually eerily quiet and I'm just glad that they gave us the glow stick because otherwise you could bump into people. Mm. Um, but it, I was—that was—I was very surprised how dark it was. Mm-hmm. And sometimes um, uh, you have to really be alert. Yeah. So I, I, that was a one piece that I, I did not expect to be that dark.
1: Did you get any uh, running buddies out there, or, or you by yourself? Uh, did I what? Did you find any any friends out there to oh, run absolutely. with? Oh,
14: absolutely. I I, I I I was all my other Hawaii friends and you know we just we cheer each other on and, and we cheer each other on even if we don't know each other so to me it was one big ohana which is family even when I don't know them so yeah
1: and what was the uh, what was the feeling like when you were coming down Palani Hill and then you were sort of making your way into the finish
14: surreal I, I really didn't think I could finish uh, there was a lot of I was telling the girls there that you know there was 80% of the time I didn't think I could finish, but there's 20% that just knew, believed in myself, and you just need that 20% and dig deep that to that 20% instead of the 80% that, that talk you, try to talk you out of an email. You can have a DNF on your record, but that 20% got me going.
1: Fantastic. Now we've got to get your boyfriend over here. Come on over. Here. We need to know his name. He did the corner last year. Yep, tell us who you are uh, Ed Harrison from Honolulu. Fantastic! You raced here before.
15: I raced last year. She caught me and put the cuckoo shells or the nuts over my neck, and I got a chance to do it this year with her. So that's why I volunteered late. What What were you uh, doing volunteering today? Just I I, I, was, catching catch. catch. I was catching people yeah, at the finish line. but intentionally setting it up so that I could catch her. Like she she surprised me and caught me last year. So
1: fantastic! Now, t- <laughs> you're a your, your solid-sized unit. Was uh, I think catching is probably a pretty good job for you it's uh it's better than probably being out there racing because
15: solid size doesn't help so much in iron man so
1: and did you catch any superstars today or were you uh
15: the, doing age the 18th and the 20 first place women coming in all the germans were dominating and <laughs> yeah. they all the way along the line uh just so fit everybody in the you know the 9 30 the 10 hour spots were just incredible to see how just how lean they are and how fresh they looked after they finished you know even you know the number one female daniela which looked. <laughs> you didn't quite as fresh but <laughs> <I'm
1: kidding. laughs> and i can't say that you know are you inspired to to get out there again or are you going oh absolutely yeah right.
15: so it's kind of an unwritten rule that we have in hawaii you you do the lottery one time and then you skip a year at least until you put back in so everybody else has a chance but it's yeah. it's really hard given the opportunity that we have yeah, being okay. a you know to, it's a, like a one in 20 chance on oahu and a one in five chance here mm-hmm. on kona to get in and we train all year long. We've done at least one Ironman every year for the last couple of years. She's very humble. She podiumed in both Fortaleza yes. and Cozumel, yeah. so. Um, is oh, oh, excuse in me, in Bindman.
1: Is there still any any slots at the 70.3 for locals? No, they
15: don't do it. So the pros didn't show up this year, but it's still our favorite race of the yeah. year. So it gives a huge advantage for her. She, you know, the wind going up to Javi today, she's yeah. been through that a number of times in the Honu race. Yeah. You know, so the locals have a huge advantage there of well, knowing, you know, what the what the mountain will give you going up and down. So had to get her out here and do a couple of hundred mile runs. She yeah. did some hundred mile rides, excuse me, in the hundred wind.
1: hundred mile ride out here would be impressive. <laughs>
15: But she did a one day where she averaged probably about 10 miles an hour for 60 miles and so was ready to quit. And I just said, okay, you've taken the worst the island can give you. You'll do better in the real race. So she did fantastic.
1: Fantastic. Well done, Guy. Well done for volunteering well done on your race. I am really
14: helped right, the podcast. Listen to it. It's really motivating.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much. Have
14: a great day. Thank nice you. talking with you.
1: Okay. I've got some more finishes here. Um, tell us where your name and where you're from. Uh,
7: Steve DeMossi from uh, Edgewater, Maryland.
1: Great, and uh, how was your day at the other day?
7: I finished, so it was a great day.
1: Was that the plan?
7: Well, the plan didn't quite go to plan, but the first plan was to finish, so yes, that was the plan. And what was the journey to get here? How, how did you How did you make it to the start line? I was one of the fortunate that I won the uh, Ironman Foundation lottery. Nice. So, yeah, found out in April and picked up training again and here i am
1: so for a lot of people doing the lottery you know it's a, a bit of a dream come true um what were your expectations going into this race you know having seen it on tv or iron man live what did you expect out there
7: uh, i knew it was a very difficult race i expected uh to do a little better than i did but uh i was not ready for the the climb on the bike that was beyond anything i could have prepared for and then by the time i got to the run i just had nothing left <laughs>
1: And uh, what was it? What's it like out there on the the Queen K once the sun goes down? It's actually quite
7: lovely. Um, weather's great. Little breeze at times. It's dark, but
1: other than that, it's it's quite nice. No, no hit on collisions with anybody?
7: No, no. I, uh, I had a light in my special needs bag, so by the time I got there, I had a nice light. But uh, I could definitely see where there might be some collisions.
1: And what is, uh, you know, you've only literally finished the race a matter of minutes ago. Uh, what's, what's on the horizon for you? And Does this doing this race motivate you to want to come back and, and or, or are you going, I'm one and done with this bad boy?
7: Well, I know that I was extremely fortunate to have the opportunity to race here. Um, probably will not qualify for the next 20 to 30 years. But if I do then, I, I would definitely come back.
1: Fantastic, well done on your race. Thank you. Okay, I've just had another finisher up. What what time is it now? What was your, uh, what's the finish time now? We're coming up to 10.45, so I guess that's uh, been out there for a little while. Tell us your name and where you're from.
16: My name's Trisha. I'm from Canada. Um, um, I, can't, I can't believe I just finished. I've been working towards this for 16 years. I just... I'm speechless. And so what was the actual path to get here? Um, So 14 years ago, 16 years ago I saw my first Hawaii Ironman on television. I told my dad I had seen it and he told me it wasn't possible and I said no it is, I saw it on TV. And he said well you'd never be able to do it and that was it. So two years later I did my first Ironman. This is my 16th Ironman. I am so lucky to be here on the Legacy program. It's just amazing. Everyone here is so amazing. And and,
1: uh, I think you sort of embodied the Ironman spirit. I saw you give a guy a cuddle that I think you maybe you met out there on the course.
16: Yes, yes, I met him out on the run. He was trailing me, because I had a headlamp. And so, uh, I don't know, it was only about, it was mile 10 or something like that. And I told him, like, you can pass me. And he said, no, I'm following your pace. Uh, And I like the headlamp. So we ran together until, oh my gosh, somewhere in the 20s. And then, I don't know what happened, he saw the light and he went for it and I was fine with that. But I don't even know his name, but I just love him, yeah. he's my new best friend. And
1: what, what were your expectations going into the race, now, did you, were you planning on finishing around this time, or did you have to finish early or later?
16: Honestly I just wanted to finish, I, don't, I didn't know Maybe what you... to expect out there with the wind, it didn't disappoint me, it was really nice and windy, but yeah, I just wanted to finish.
1: And what's the, what's the vibe? I mean, we're standing well behind the finish line there, but uh, what was the vibe when you turned onto a lead oh drive
16: like? Oh my gosh. Everyone, um, spectators, finishers, volunteers, just cheering for you is so amazing. I'm um, Slapping hands, coming down the chute, across the finish line, I burst into tears. I just can't tell you how much I just love everyone right now. Just, you know what? just the most amazing feeling in the world.
1: And what's the story back home, you know, in terms of a nine to five and, and what, what, does, what does life entail?
16: I actually, um, I moved to Honolulu in preparation to train, so I've been living there for about the last 10 months. Um, I work in a hospital, so it's a lot of, uh, it, it's pretty physical. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you do what you can. I get up, I work out, I ride my bike to work, I ride home from work, I work out when I get home. I don't have a lot of friends, but you know, that's okay.
1: Do you um do you plan on staying in Honolulu?
16: I don't know. I mean every day is the most perfect summer oh, okay. day. It's hard to it's hard not to love it. Oh, I don't know.
1: Fantastic. We love the legacy program, what it's doing for athletes like yourself who've stuck at it for years and years. So well done and uh, good finish.
17: Thank you, thank you, appreciate it.
1: Okay, I've got uh, Kate here. Simon Ward's just recommended me having a a chat to you. So uh, he's he's just told me a pretty interesting stat. So tell us um, your name, where you're from, and uh, the interesting news Simon just told me.
17: Well, my name's Kate Stannard, and I'm from England. Uh, Javon Murphy here dubbed me as the queen of Ironman UK because I've done every Ironman UK race.
1: That includes every 70.3 and every Ironman. Yeah, and is that across UK or just England?
17: Yeah, um, across the UK, I have done Ironman, I haven't done every Ironman Wales. Yeah. I've only done that twice, but all the others I've done. And,
1: and so, what was the path to get to, to Kona? I qualified at Bolton. Well, I
17: came second in
1: my age group. Fantastic. And is this your first time no, over it's here? My second, time. second time. Yeah. Sometimes, first time's usually a bit of a shock to the system, and you go, Holy crap, I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Uh, second time round, what were your expectations, and did you sort of achieve your goals in the race?
17: I definitely achieved my goals, but my expectations were very low because I always think the second t- race is the worst one. Yeah. And the first time I did it, I was over the moon. I just had an absolute blast. Yeah. And I just came thinking that this would, wouldn't be as good. Yeah. And I've had a, although it was really, it was much harder on the bike course this time, I've absolutely had a ball. Uh, and I'm just so delighted to have come back again. And what age group are you in? I'm 55 to 59. So,
1: what's your advice to, you know, the it, it, sport at the moment, they're trying to push more female participation in the event. Um, what's, is that, part of what you're trying to do or what's your motivation to keep doing the sport?
17: Ah, I'm just stubborn, I just want to do it.
1: Mm. (laughs) And what's your advice for, you know, a lot of people that listen to the show are already into the sport, but in terms of newbies who might be starting out slow, what's, what's the advice, you know, maybe female specific advice?
17: It's female specific, just get out there and do it.
1: You've got your supporter over here waving her hand, so we've got to get her involved as well. Um, she's finished your mouthful? Yes, she's finished your mouthful. Tell us your name and where you're from.
18: So uh, I'm Joanne Murphy, and I'm the Irish voice of Ironman. I'm working on the commentary team oh, in thanks. Kona. So I was the first ever female commentator for, for the World Championships today. Very,
0: oh, on so what on channel? On the Hot Corner.
18: On the Hot Corner. Live on the Hot Corner.
0: Fantastic.
4: So
18: my bit of advice would be, for all the women out there that get into triathlon is is never give up yeah. don't give up just keep going and if if, if it, the first time you don't succeed just keep on on going it's absolutely amazing yeah. it's brilliant
1: and what's the experience like on hot corner
18: it was awesome mm. it was awesome mm. um, i was there with pete murray mm-hmm. for about four hours so uh, we got the athletes uh, going up polani and coming down polani and uh, we saw daniela reef absolutely tear past us and uh, to be you know to get the course record today it was absolutely fantastic and um, it's amazing to have such a big female field here this year. I think it's a great testament to what Ireland are trying to do in terms of encouraging more females and um, it's it's brilliant in the UK as well and even in Ireland the growth of the sport has been phenomenal over the past number of years and there's more and more women um, getting the opportunity to do the sport and they're not afraid to dip their toes and I think we need to encourage that and keep that going. So today was a big day for women in sport having the first ever female commentator on a, on the on the commentary team this year.
1: Brilliant, so what's the, what's the plan for your commentary progression from here?
18: Oh god, I don't know, this is uh, the pinnacle of my career so far I guess. <laughs> uh, I started with Mike Riley in Galway in 2011 um, and I've worked on the Ironman team in the UK since then. Um, I'm not sure, maybe a TV show. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty cool, so uh, I, I work in Ireland as well as a, as a presenter uh, pretty much I Came home from Kona last year and decided I needed to stay in the sport full time. So I gave up my job and and I'm, I'm just I absolutely love sport, love triathlon, and it's you know what else would you want to be doing on a Saturday afternoon? But be in Kona.
1: And are you going to be back participating as well?
18: Yes, I'm, uh, I'm back participating as well. I'm uh, going to be racing the Ironman 70.3 in New next year. Um, I've, raced, uh, I've raced another uh, long-distance race, which we won't mention, um, but uh, it's the fastest course in the world. So I've raced there and I've raced at the ITU Worlds in London um, and I had a very bad bike crash going into Austria 2014, so 2017 is going to be my year for racing again.
1: Are you guys out to go and watch the final finishes come in soon?
18: I'm going back up to the tower to help Mike, Paul and Andy with the uh, the information for the athletes coming across the finish line.
1: Have we got many, many to come in or not? Do you know? We don't I know. don't know. We don't we're going to find out. It's thin pickings at the moment. There's not many coming through. Thanks for your time guys and uh, well done on your race.
17: Thank you very much.
1: Great. Okay, I'm still grabbing a few more finishes here. I've got Rob, number 241. Uh, Rob, tell us a bit oh, yeah. about yourself, where are you from, and, um, from um, uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado? Yeah. And this is the ninth
4: uh, finish here at Kona. Yeah. And uh, they're not getting any faster for me. <laughs> I'm in the 65 to 69 year age group.
1: Yeah. yeah. And um, how did you qualify to get here? Uh, Boulder this year. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you've done this race nine times, you said it's not getting any uh, easier. How did you rate uh, today's conditions? The uh, typical
4: winds, uh, they were lighter than we've had some years, especially coming back into town, but it still makes for a long day. Yep. And then uh, then they ran out of water out on some of the bike aid, aid stations and that didn't help us late finishers.
1: What, what's it like for you? I mean, when, when does it start to get dark for you out there? I'm sorry when when does the sun start to go down for you in terms of where you are on the course that's interesting you say that
4: because that's how i measure how i'm doing (laughs) one of the years the best year probably i had uh, i was at mile number 22 before the sun went down and uh this year i was uh well another year i was at mile 17 getting ready to go into the energy lab the sun went down yeah last two years I told my daughter, and she put it on a little poster, it says, get out of town before the sun goes down. And so I was just basically out of town when the sun went down tonight. So, what's the motivating factor for you to keep coming back here and putting your body through this? Well, as uh, Mike said over on the, uh, uh, when I finished is, is I do this for my uh, oldest brother, in honor of my oldest brother, who's missing in action from Vietnam Mm. since 1968. Mm. So
1: I do one a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his honor. And what's your What's your training? You know, for, for athletes as they get older, training sometimes becomes harder on the body. What's your What's your training regime? Um, I used to. I've never
4: had a coach. I used to do uh, basically. It was ad hoc, mm-hmm. kind of go out and well, I need to do this and I need to do that. My son uh, is a big mountain biker and road cyclist he says dad you're old enough now you need a training plan (laughs) so i got on a training plan so i'm using the uh, training peaks
1: and And, and for you going out there today you know how much is it about uh, competing or completing completing yeah yeah
4: totally completing yeah Yeah. the uh, competing part comes because my philosophy has always been if you can't beat them, outlive them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, longevity is the key to key to success in triathlon, especially for non-pros. Fantastic. And any highlights of the day for you today? Okay. Um, we made it to the finish line before the 17-hour mark. That's a, So that's the highlight. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Well done on a good day. Hey, thank you very much, sir. Brilliant. Thank you.
1: It is sometimes excruciating standing here at the finish line. You see. You see people like Ben Hoffman who have pushed themselves to the limit, and the juice is out. The eyes are rolling back. I tell you what, when you're standing around here at the uh, the sort of later mark, you see people with uh, all sorts of ailments and can't walk straight and are swaying all over the place. I've just had one guy vomit directly in front of me with a few people around him, and he is literally bent over sideways. Uh, so there is some interesting finishes coming in here and I'm yeah I'm getting a, probably about a 30% hit rate on people that actually come past because some people are not looking too sharp and where we stand actually uh, by the security access point there's a turning point which uh, turn right and you go to the medical tent and go straight on you go to the, the finish area so it's uh, it's an interesting point to be at. <laughs> we've got another one of these, we've got another, we've got another, no, 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, Simon's, been, Simon's been lining me up a few good interviews here, which is good. Simon Ward from uh, the UK, but our latest person, she said no.
13: Righty-ho,
1: I've got David number 501 who's just finished, he's looking uh, team, team Watson. He, uh, you won't lose him in the dark, and he's been out in the dark and got a nice bright top on. Uh, tell us about uh, where you're from and how you've made it to Kona.
8: Thank you, I'm from Tennessee. I did the Legacy slot, Mm -hmm. so this is my 14th Ironman, and probably the only time I ever get to do it. So I was so happy just to finish. The winds were brutal on the bike ride. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And uh, but I toughed it out. I got it done.
1: And um, how how long did you have to wait in in terms of getting your Legacy spot? Did you have to keep keep that valid for a couple of years, or did you get straight in?
8: I got straight in. Fantastic. I would think that was lucky.
1: You're very lucky. Indeed. Yes. You said it was windy out there, but what, did you have any expectations in terms of goals for time or anything like that or was it purely going out there and, and having a party?
8: I nailed my time. 16 hours is what I wanted. I think I was 16.05 maybe so Brilliant. just wanted to make sure I finished with plenty of time to spare and I could not be happier. So, so happy.
1: Great. What's your, what's your 9 to 5? I own
8: twenty six restaurants. Fast food.
1: Ooh, nice.
8: Yeah, I stay busy. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. And how long has it taken you to build up those races to be eligible for legacy? Twelve years. Twelve years. One a year. Yeah. And what what's uh, family life or anything like that, or are you just busy doing the restaurants? My
8: daughter is three time Ironman. My son in law is two time Ironman. Yeah. My grandson is now doing triathlons. Yeah. So it's it's a wonderful sport, and we love doing them together.
1: Uh, What was your highlights out there today? Oh, the swim yeah oh loved it yeah it was
8: like snorkeling yeah it was amazing yeah and I had one minute off my PR on swim today so Great. it was so happy
1: and any moments out there when you're gone well oh, I don't know if I can make this or was it under control
8: you're know, at mile 80 on the bike when we got no tailwind it turned it turned the other way mm. I had some serious praying to do and a lot of uh, contemplating whether I could finish it or not it was absolutely brutal to have a headwind out
1: there and a headwind coming back was unbelievable so I'm standing here now and there's a few people coming in drips and drabs mm-hmm. was it pretty lonely out there on the run
8: in the dark at the energy Lab, so lonely yeah. but I make friends I always make friends along the way so yeah. have good conversations keep your mind off the pain
1: right and uh, is this, is it, you're just gonna keep on trucking on more Ironmans? I'm
8: doing one in five weeks in
1: Florida. Nice, very good. <laughs> Fantastic it you're my last interview for the night, so uh, good to finish on Legacy Spot, someone who's been out there, cranking it out for years and years, well done on uh, getting through it.
8: Cheers, my pleasure. Awesome, Have a great well night.
1: So there we go, we're gonna finish up with a Legacy athlete, he was stoked to finish. A nice bright top on, changed into running gear, looked pretty comfortable, one of the fresher guys that had come through the finish and uh, managed to get his whole family involved so my goodness I've seen somebody come through with what seemed like a broken arm almost and uh, yeah so it's thin pickings but it's time to go and have a look at the finish line and then wrap it all up for the day. Uh, okay we're going to do a bit of live commentary here, we've got a couple of guys who are just coming up towards the finish and uh, Tell us your names. you got about half a mile to go. How's things feeling? Where are you from?
4: Oh, we're from Mexico City. Uh, dad and son, we both got in through Legacy and we're about to finish. Good together, to dad and son, both through Legacy. Yeah, we did.
1: Fantastic.
4: And where, where have you done all your spots? Mostly Canada, Cozumel, France. Yeah? Yeah, he did Australia and Austria, but yeah, all over the world. We love this sport. And have you guys been together all day? All day, almost all day, from, since the uh, part of the bike and most of the run. Yeah? Yeah. And has the day gone according to plan? It did not, he had a crash,
1: I had a bicycle malfunction, but we were making work. Yeah? Yeah. And can you guys, you would have just heard the crowd uh, before, are you pretty excited about making this turn into a lead drive? Oh yeah, we're psyched, we're going
4: to celebrate, we're just planning our celebration, just getting ready for that last sprint.
1: Fantastic, enjoy the last half mile. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Thank
13: you. Well
1: there we go, we actually got some uh, guys still in the race, half a mile to go. Um, it's in the raining, beautiful temperatures to run in right now. So those guys have got half a mile to go, gonna round into that uh, finishing chute. I was standing down there, I was gonna see if I could nab a couple of people for a chat, but it was so noisy that uh, it wasn't gonna happen. But I will say, it was an awesome atmosphere down there. And I think across the board today, an observation for me is just more people here. Uh, last time I was spectating was four years ago. Up Palani, a hell of a lot more people than I recall last time. And also down the finish line, I've been down there once before, Around midnight, and uh, tonight that seemed a hell of a lot more pumping. Lots of people, lots of dancing. Mike Riley and his mate up there, I think he might be South African, were doing a fantastic job. So uh, I think having a Mexican father and son on Legacy finishing together, hand in hand, that's a pretty good way to round out the show. So I hope you guys have enjoyed the 2016 coverage of I'm uh, in Hawaii. Okay, we have got the first of our campers uh, to tell us a little bit about their first impressions of the camp we've been running here. So today is Wednesday and we started the camp. We've got my my roommate. Brian Hagen with an A. (laughs) Brian, what's your, your IM
19: Talk handle? It's uh, Brian Hellraiser Hagen. Oh,
0: that's a good
19: one. I was real happy when, when, when I was given that because some of them are okay, you know, but, but that one was a good some one. I was gray gray pretty happy with it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, I've completely lost my chain of thought there, Bevan. But we, we
1: started this right. We started last Thursday, and on the camp we did a 50k little warm up ride just down to Waikaloa and then day two we biked 110 at 120k's around the high road up to Harvey, and then the next day we biked over to Hilo, which was another 130. Then had an easier day with a 50k ride and a and a run, and then the next day was a 150k ride to uh, to from volcano to Kona and then uh, today, yesterday was a run from the Energy Lab to the pier and tomorrow is going to be the Aquathon and then Friday's going to be, road, today was riding the Ironman course mm-hmm. and then t- uh, tomorrow is going to be the Aquathon and Friday's going to be swimming the Ironman course and there's a bunch of other things in there. So Brian, um, you've, you've, you've been out there on the course a couple of times uh, in terms of different parts of it, what's it been like for you relative to what you thought it was going to be like?
19: So, I was pretty nervous about being able to ride multiple days in a row, because I've never ridden this many days in a row before, you know. And um, so, that part of it was was okay. The conditions, I didn't realize what the conditions were going to be like. I mean, the first, or, or the second day, I guess, when, when when we went up the high road, it was very windy, um, and there's no descents like that where I live, you know, so, so going down, you know, 35, I'm sorry, I'm going to do miles per hour here, but 35, 40 miles per hour with the winds as hard as they were going. And I was, I was scared. I was shaking all, all over the place. But after a while I got, you know, a little bit of help on how to handle that and stuff like that. So after a while you got a little used to it, but that was, that was pretty crazy the first day. But, um, and then the rain on the other side of the island, you know, and then after a while you just, you know, it's, it rained and rained and rained and you accepted it, you know, and, and that was part of the challenge. But um you know um and and then the volcano going down the volcano i mean that was that was awesome. Hey, have you ever done that? No, I no. No, no, never have done it. And it's one thing I, I probably won't get done this time,
0: but I, yeah, I need to do it because it's that kind of, it's one of the special things about this place, isn't it?
19: Yeah, I set all of my Garmin records on that one. <laughs> I mean, uh, one hour speed, you know, 20, 20 minute speed, all that type. My, my Garmin was going crazy because we were just flying down that thing. And that was actually the hardest ride of the day or of the uh, week because... Um, I don't know if it had to have done with what we ate or what we didn't eat, or it was later in the week or that many rides in a row, but I didn't really feel like I was struggling to finish until maybe the last two hours of that ride, you know? And I, and I think it's because in my mind, I thought I was going downhill all the way to Kona (laughs) and, and, and you go downhill and then you go back up and then you go down and up and down and up and down and up. And it was a little bit different than what I expected, you know?
1: So you got to ride, you know, and when Brian was talking about the hairy descent, for you guys that have been over here, he's not talking about riding down from Harvey to to Kauai High, it's riding from when you go up the high road and then you have a descent down to Harvey, and uh, it's a bit narrow, a few potholes, very, very windy, and, uh, yeah, it was interesting stuff. Now, now you rode down from Harvey that day to Waikaloa and you got to experience the winds there that time. How is it different going out and doing it today when it sounded like the conditions were a lot calmer?
19: Yeah, today today was a lot calmer for one, but I think, and just talking to other people in the camp too, I think everybody feels a lot more fit today than they did that day. I mean, even though, I mean, I've been I've been doing a lot of riding, I've been actually training for this specific camp, you know, to kind of be in, be in shape because I didn't know who was going to be here and who was mm. going to turn up, but... Number one, I think the fitness was better today. Number two is kind of in your mind; you knew it was, you know, half hour to this, you know, tw- you know, an hour to this. So I was able to break it up in my in my mind today. But today, much, much, much better, much easier. Plus, we had a little bit of cloud cover um, for a little bit today, so it uh, for the for the last half. So I think it made it so it wasn't as hot as it was the last time either. You know,
1: what well, what's Brian like as a roomie, Bevan? Pretty good. We've only had one night
0: together. We've only shared one night together. <laughs> one night together. <laughs> one night. So, so maybe in four days we'll be at each other's throats, but oh, it's, it's, it's a great relationship happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, I think we're both pretty quiet in the night. Yeah. I did notice my headboard bangs a bit. So I might have to pull my. Well, I was a like, wow. Where are we <laughs> taking that? I don't, I don't mean it like that. Actually, that wasn't my intention. Yeah. So, so to, okay, let's uh, move on from that question. So,
1: what's um? We've still got to sit here and watch the the race in a couple of days' time, which hopefully will, for you guys would be a real highlight. But what what has been um? What has been the highlights for you so far?
19: So for just the
1: the, the camp, sort of the camp, and going, holy shit, that's what it's all about.
19: Yeah, I I um. I mean the camaraderie amongst I mean I came here I didn't know anybody that was here you know and um, you know everybody's been pretty awesome to hang out with and you know some a lot of people have been really really helpful mm-hmm. you know I've had a few punctures uh, mm-hmm. along the way and I'm not the best at that and uh, there's some other guys that are so you know they've been, they've been really good but you've got you know your your support staff Dave and 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 Mark that are fantastic and um, the food um, I mean I have I have not been hungry at all the entire time that I've been here um, I feel like I've probably lost um, lost some weight but I mean we, we've ate well you know the entire in the restaurants we've been out to you know and the and the groceries and stuff like that so um, the massage you know that's um, that's been you know I was I was surprised at that I didn't even think about that I didn't think about how important that would be um, mark work wonders on me yesterday i absolutely could not believe it I, I walked out of there feeling totally fresh and ready to go you know so
1: and, and for the for the listeners back home you know what's your what's your level and, and how much training do you do and and what sort of times and stuff
19: yeah so um three years i've been doing tri- uh well this is my fourth year doing um triathlon did ironman the last last three you know i'm a probably around a 12-hour Ironman. It's kind of hard to tell. The last one I did was Texas, and that one was short by about 18 miles. So um, if I add about an hour and a little bit more on top of that, it's around 12 or so. So that's, that's about where I'm at. like to be faster. You know, I'm, I'm still kind of new at this, mm. um, learning a lot. It's, it's amazing. Um, well, of course, there's a lot of different philosophies out there on how to get faster and, and, and all that type of stuff. But I think it takes a while to kind of absorb it, take it all in, and then um, also figure out a way to fit your life into it, you know, because we all have jobs, um, family and responsibilities and things like that. And um, it takes a few years to get that going. So so I'm, so I'm still young, you know, in the, in the sport. I'm an older man, but I'm young in that sport, you know. Athletic age yeah. is young.
1: The Athletic age is young. I think you're going to ride a little bit quicker, judging by how you rode. When I joined up with you for a little jaunt around the red road, I was like, Brian's got a little bit of power there. But uh, it was impressive.
19: Well, that day I knew um, it was only 30 miles that day, and I was trying to impress you a little bit, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was, you know, um, um, I'll tell you a, a story here, okay? So, before I did my first Ironman, it was it was Montreban, I, I wanted to do the camp the last time you guys did the half, and at the time, you know, you have like an A plan and a B plan and you know, I, I wanted to finish. It was my first one, I wanted to be called an Ironman. But in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, I think 14 hours is a pretty good goal for me when I did all the math. And then I saw in the thing, it said, you should probably be a 13 hour Ironman before oh. doing this camp. So I was like, shit, okay, so, oh, sorry. So, right. <laughs> so I got to do a 13 hour. So I ended up doing like a 13, 20. I figured, okay, that's, uh, that's uh, close close enough, you know, yeah. Cool. And um, is there anything that surprised you
1: about the Big Island?
19: Well, I've been here before, but my my wife and I came here, and I can't remember if it was four or five years ago, but it was a little while ago. It was in February, and my this was we've been been to I think four islands, um, four or five islands. This is my favorite one, but it's totally different here in February. And the reason why it was my favorite one is just. Um, It's really laid back and everybody's everybody that we came in contact with was friendly and there wasn't Like sometimes you go somewhere and you feel there's this tourist local divide and here It just kind of felt like everybody was just kind of cool with each other and there wasn't really that divide This is a this is different this is night and day different because yeah there's i mean just seeing i I mean first of all the number of men that run with their shirts off with their heart rate monitors on is just is just amazing going up and down and then they're all like really really fast you know um it was funny because we did the swim the other day out there and uh i thought i am not going to fit into this uh, into this picture here at all when it you know but uh but it worked out worked out pretty good. But it's just, it's, it's a totally different vibe. It was a totally different vibe when we left Kona. You know, when we left Kona and went to Hilo and we came back and now all the booths are set up all over the place and it's just, it's, it's a different place, you know, than it was, you know, when the Ironman's not, not, not going on. But it's, I mean, we really had not had much time to check it out either, you know. So we got the rest of the week to do that. So I'm, so I'm looking forward to getting down and hopefully not spending too much money down at, uh, down at the expo down there.
1: Nice, you kicked some ass this week. I know everybody's been very impressed with your riding, so well done, and uh, we'll hopefully see you on uh, future camp. So, alright, thank uh, you. And now, uh, re- the reason it was Brian Hagen with an A, I think I said that in the intro, is because um, I had Brian's name on the, the list, and we were sending out emails and arrival times, and I had it H E H A G E N. And he wasn't uh,
0: getting them.
1: He, w- he was getting them. Then he said, my name's got an a. a, an a a bit like your surname, doesn't have an E on the end, it exactly. doesn't have an N, so yeah. I've been Brian Hagen with an A.
0: Yeah, we, we know somebody's quite picky about that, <laughs> you know, a little bit angry if she was in the inside on that one, I tell you so, there we go. Awesome, thanks understand. Brian yeah. Yeah.
1: Thanks Next up, we're within the group I don't know if this is going to record very well but I'm going to chase after someone, she's running away from me, Lee Davidson's <laughs> run, run away from her, run away from me, she was wondering what this microphone was all about, but she's coming back, so we'll see if we can grab her, but uh, hubby, hubby Paul is here he 's trying to run away as well he's uh, paul what's what 's your impressions of the big island been? it 's really hot on the west side and it rains a lot on the east side. Yeah. <laughs> T- tell the listeners about sort of what speed you are and uh, and how long you 've been out there most days uh, i 'm I'm
4: in the slowest part of the group and i 've been averaging about seven hours yeah. A day, yeah. And what's been the most challenging day for you so far? Every day's a challenging day. Yeah. <laughs> um, day two was massive. day three was even <laughs> worse. Yeah. <laughs> and today was a big one when the heat and the uh, Harvey coming through the winds and that's the Harvey and mm. have, you f-
1: have you found that you adapted to the the heat a bit more as you as the camp's gone on?
4: Yeah, yeah, I have have a lot more. Yeah, than when I first arrived here. Yeah.
1: And how does it compare to? Uh, the triathlons back in Christchurch.
4: Oh, this is a mountainous stuff yeah,
1: yeah. Can be the home. <laughs> How many Ironmans have you done? Uh, four. There's 12 on the radar. <laughs> <laughs> would you would, if you got the opportunity, would you want to come over here and do the race? I'd have to think,
4: seriously think about it. I'll wait till Saturday. See if it really. <laughs> A bit tired at the moment.
1: <laughs> Very good. Now Paul's from Christchurch, and he's been out there trucking, trucking every day. Hold on, we've got another one coming past. Uh, I'm going to go just shove this in front of his face, because we've got the barbecue going tonight. He's checking the, the meat. Eric Icy Bernie. Um, how are you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. What's happening on the barbecue tonight? What's, what's the spread? Uh, well, we've got uh, a
20: couple different kinds of steak, and I'm making sure we've got them just right. What's well, just right? Uh, I call it medium, you know. It's a little bit of red in the middle but cooked and so you, you overcook steak and it'll get tough so it's just right.
1: What's your what you've been to Kona before but um not necessarily going out there and doing the volume of training we've been doing. So maybe tell the listeners sort of where you're from, what's your what's your deal and and what your impressions have been of the Big Island. Okay.
20: Um yeah, this is the first time I've cycled on Kona, it's uh hot and windy but it's beautiful different sides of the island, Uh, you know, the west side, the Kohala coast, is is what everyone's familiar with, but uh, going on this camp, I was able to see the Hilo side, just green and beautiful, basically uh, rainforest, then uh, we cycled around the whole island, I guess we're 400 miles. And what what
1: was your impression of the Ironman course? if you take away the heat and the wind, it's not that tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't take it away, so it is. No,
20: no, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's, I did the whole course today and I, I'm just thinking to myself, sure glad I didn't swim before it and I didn't run afterwards, but no, definitely it's a straight up challenge and it should be for a championship race.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, and what's your picks for the weekend? Uh, well,
20: uh, just I really like to see if uh, American can uh, get on the podium, and uh, in particular uh, Jesse Thomas. I, I think he's he's uh, if, as long as uh, the wind and the the heat aren't too
1: much for him. I think he's got a a, a solid chance. I don't I don't want that meat to be uh, well done, so I'll be letting you back to it. <laughs>
20: All right, thanks, John. Hey, great camp, and uh, you took really good care of us and. Uh, either myself or uh, some of my other friends, they're, they're seeing on social media, they go, where is that camp? I want to yeah. go. So, uh, you, you did a great job. Thank you.
1: It's in May, next May, coming down for the 70.3 camp. Alright. Okay. it okay. so, so, Le- 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 oh, It's
21: gone. It's gone. gone. Yep, yeah, we're gone. It's gone. So, name, place? So, my name is Lee Davidson and I'm from Christchurch. And I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I wasn't going to say that. Oh, sorry. I was, Lee, she told Lee, me to was, say that. Lee was running
1: away from me before, so I chased, chased chasing
0: Oh, oh nice, <laughs> nice. We like, entrapment, hey, we've trapped you. So, so you, you came over a few days early. Why'd you come over early?
21: Just to get acclimatised, really, to the heat, because it's, as you know, Christchurch is a really, really cold place, and, um, yeah, to, to acclimatise, and I think it was a really good idea to yeah. do that. Um, I, I have found it hot, um, but... The swimming here is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Love the swimming. Love, yeah. love the love swimming here.
0: What have been some of the highlights for you?
21: Going into the volcano was really, really good. That was like being in another time and place at, at Volcano on the way home from Hilo. Hilo. Um the cycling is really good, and I'd really, really love Christchurch roads to be ha- have that lovely yeah. uh, side. But on the side, that's really, really good. It's smooth. It's smooth. Okay, yeah. um, traffic's really. Um, the traffic has been really good. Um, I think, but people, I guess, here that live here, must be so used to triathletes and so they're they're a lot more tolerant. Tell the listeners about
1: sort of your level in terms of your speed and in terms of you've only done one Ironman and and sort of so they can get appreciation of sort of what you've been through this week.
21: So um, yeah, I've done one Ironman, it was Ironman Australia and um, it was quite a big challenge because I haven't been doing triathlon or long distance triathlon for very, very long. And uh, at age 55, is um, it, it is, is challenging, but when you're surrounded by like-minded and encouraging people, you sort of get a, a confidence in yourself that you um, that you that you know that you'll be able to achieve your goals. And um, being at the, at the pack, being at the last on the pack, it's um, it doesn't really matter because you're all here, you know, wanting to achieve your own personal goals. So. Um, and being inspired by um, everybody else in the group, they're encouraging, like I said. It um, just makes you want to do more and be better. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to training for uh, Ironman New Zealand in March. And uh, this, this has really kicked off uh, the training for both Paul and I. Yeah. Um,
0: for so, so you're kind of saying that for you, actually, these environments are a supportive thing, and, and actually allows you to explore higher levels.
21: Absolutely, so opportunity to come on a camp. If you ever, ever, anyone gets an opportunity to come on a camp like this, take it, uh, and don't think that you're not capable of doing it because you really, really are, and uh, you just do what you can do. Like today, today, I had to pull the pin on the on the ride on the course. We were doing a 180. Um, I was going to do the 150, but um, I had to pull the pin, um, I, I just wasn't up to it, I'm really really tired, and um, I just thought, no, it's, it's not for me, yeah. and um, to sort of to save myself for the next few days, and um, you know, I, I thought, no, I'm just going to pull the pin um, down there, and I've done the course, happy with what I've done, really really happy with what I've done, I've you know, quite, achieved quite a bit, um, didn't realise that I could actually do as much as I've done, um, the support of the camp has been really good because if, if things aren't going well you've got the support vehicle mm. um, yeah you've got the support mm. vehicle to pick you up or, yeah.
0: and what are you looking forward to for, for race day?
21: wow just being inspired by all the, um, the elite athletes who, there's going to be so many people that are the champions of champions and um, to see them want, you know, t- racing I guess is, um, is going to be really really awesome mm.
0: Yeah. And we'll enjoy the rest of the camp, and uh, enjoy you. race day, and uh, keep on rocking, girl.
22: Okay,
21: thank you.
0: Awesome. Full day full. awesome. Thanks, Leigh. I think I'm recording. Okay, names,
22: places. I'm Kim Burney from Rancho Cucamonga, California. And,
0: and I'm Eric Bernie, same place. Same place, California. That California tan you guys have. Uh, so you guys are actually helping out in the event yesterday. Maybe just tell us what you guys were doing.
22: I was in the women's transition tent about till about 4 o'clock. And then I switched to the medical tent and did logistics. What was it like? Crazy. Yeah. It was really, really crazy. It got it, well. There were points where we had maybe one person coming in at a time, and then it just a uh, influx of people into the transition tent, and then the same with medical. So we had every bed full at one point, and um, just the heat and the wind and all those things were really getting to people. It was rough yesterday.
0: Well, um, what um? What was it like, um, what were the people like, like in dealing with them, you know, because like, you're, you're, you're hitting them at a kind of an important time and a stressful time.
22: Yeah, well, there's a lot of intensity in the women's changing tent, you know, people wanting to get out, and so we were helping them, you know, get cooled off and sunscreened and... Hydrated and get their bags packed, and just getting them out the door, you know, directing and making them go from one end to the other in an efficient manner. And that was our job. Yeah. And then in the medical tent, it was, you know, there, was some, there were some people that really needed, needed help, and there was, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of chaos for a while, but we were very organized, very efficient group of people. They know what they're doing, yeah. very good people.
0: What do you take away from that experience?
22: I, well, I learned a lot about transition, what I, want, what I want to do next and how I want to do it. Um, you know, there were some people that were rather unorganized and then there were some that were just really had it together. And so that was one of the things I took away. But I love dealing with the people. I love being I'm, with the people and, and talking to them and just learning from their experiences. So, That's
0: pretty cool.
20: And Eric, you were. Um, in the morning, I started uh, bright and early at 4 a.m. on the uh, bike pier and uh, really just security, make sure the, the no one got in the corrals before they are supposed to. But I had the privilege of uh, helping some of the pros uh, fill up their bike tires. I held a flashlight, <laughs> but uh, just. Uh, It's it's a circus down there, I mean, once everyone starts to uh, set up their bikes, put in their fluids, but um, overall it's just, you know, you're helping people at a pretty stressful time, and and everyone was very gracious and uh, appreciative, and uh, the volunteers, we all come from different places, different walks of life, but everyone's got the same goal, to help out the athletes, and uh, I think we did that. Um, and then I had the benefit of walking over to the uh, where they fire the cannon, and, and, and uh, secretly that was the job I wanted. So I watched uh, a gentleman uh, fire the cannon, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, what's it take to uh, be able to fire the cannon?" And he looks at me. He goes, "Win the Ironman three times and get inducted to the Hall of Fame." And he turned out to be Peter Reed. So uh, that uh, i told him I'd get right on that—but uh, no, it, it was great to just be there, Bob Babbitt, two feet away, and just just taking it all in. So I did share some uh, social media posts, and people back home got to kind of be like right beside me, watching the whole start. You know, just just the uh, the epicness of it all. So that was great, and then um, after. My bike shift is over, I took a break during the day, then jumped in with Kim doing the medical. And um, my job was to screen the people. Uh, majority of the people didn't need medical, and I tried to be nice, <laughs> and uh, it worked most of the time. But uh, we, we did have a few serious people, and uh, we took care of them, IVs and uh, ambulance if needed. But in general, everybody just needed to understand that they just did just an epic event in really tough conditions and that's they're gonna feel nauseated and sore and dizzy and so um uh it, it was just it was good like Kim is a, a real stressful time in their life and and uh just speaking some comforting words and uh um you know helping them as much as we could so just a whole volunteer uh, the Ironman uh, organization puts together a great group of of, uh, volunteers with all the resources we need and it went really well then uh, uh, I felt good just to, to have done the camp beforehand and then watch the race so it was, it was a great trip and and how has the camp experience been for you <clears throat> well the camp experience um, just to be over here on the island and experience all the different climate zones there's apparently 12 or 13 in the world and Kona has 10 of them <laughs> so we went everything from desert to rainforest and, and you know we even went inside the volcano on a run so i got to see it all i, I thought yeah uh, it's just very well organized great group of people from all over the world and different abilities but uh um, we bonded as a group and we did over 300 miles here and i think we went down the queen k three times <laughs> up and down so uh got a real good taste of the winds and uh i'd encourage anyone who wants to See what Kona's like to participate in either this spring camp, the 70.3
0: camp, or the next time you do it here on Kona. So, well, thank well, you. Well, what on on the camp, and, uh, and what well on on just helping over the weekend because I'm, you know, they were saying when we did the interview last week that two and a half. Volunteers per athlete out there, so it's a lot of people put a lot of time and energy into it. And I'm sure you know it's pretty rewarding for you guys as well. We got a good one to pick. Sure,
20: the, just the volunteers being able to see that you've helped someone move along towards a finish, or uh, um, you know, gotten them then the, their needs met. It's 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 uh, we can all anyone who's been an athlete or trained or, or done a triathlon knows what it's like to need get that help when they need it. So very
0: rewarding. So.
7: Well
0: done guys, thanks for your time. OK Jombo we are back. OK so let's just quickly wrap it up because I think this is already two and a half hours.
1: So uh, last thoughts? Uh, if you want to come and see us in two years time when we're over in Kona, make sure you uh, become a patron, go on the draw and um, support the show that way. Also special thanks to our main sponsor for over in Kona Endurance Sports Travel. If you want to go to races anywhere around the world, check them out. And finally, if you do want to I'm, I'm contemplating doing this same sort of camp that I did this year in two years, you know, we'll be over there anyway, so if you, if you are vaguely interested in getting your name on the list for that, um, you know, seeing what the World Champs is all about, doing a good old tiki tour around the island, um, check it out and uh, get in touch. Also just want to
0: say a big thank you to all the patrons, as John was just saying there,
1: also our traditional sponsors. Oxygen Addict, you've heard from Rob Wilby today, so hopefully you're motivated and fired up to go and do your off season bike training and look for some big gains. And also, our traditional sponsors Athlinks.com,
0: social networking for endurance athletes,
1: and extreme endurance. Galactic Buffer.
0: Okay guys, so next week we'll be back into the studios, back to our normal show and uh, we're getting some good interviews for you over the next period of time but I imagine you've been listening to a lot of John and Bev over the last couple of weeks. I think in the last couple of weeks we've managed to get nearly 20 hours of content or maybe 17 18 hours of content out. So, And just got to say thank you to everybody who's been giving us plenty of love about the shows which is really cool. We've got lots of cool emails and stuff like that. And if you want to spread the word just go to Facebook and share our posts and stuff like that. It really helps get the message out there. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm not Train hard, train smart, Kia car. I gave that one to him because I've only got one mic. Oh, one, 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 oh, you're becoming me.
1: Yeah, Um, if you do want to get any of our cool I am Talk gear, we're going to have that. Uh, our store is open at imtalk.me until the end of October. So get on there. Got bike gear, we've got run gear, we've got the new pink range as well. So check it out, talk.me.
0: You'll look awesome. Right. see you guys later.